Hey, thanks for clicking on the video. This is going to be another episode of SNTR Gaming News, talking about the updates coming to New World. A lot of great information for you in this video about mutations, updates to the PTR, what does this mean for the main game, expeditions, loot, whole lot of good stuff for you. If you like these kind of streams and updates, be sure to hit subscribe and the bell button. Now, we try to give you the goods right here at the beginning of the video, so that way when you come back later, it's right here on the front end. This is an SNTR update. New World is pushing out significant updates to its PTR that will eventually end up in the main game, and the details are promising for those looking for good updates to the end game activities like Expeditions. If you like these updates, hit subscribe and the bell button so you don't miss the uploads, or check out SNTR Gaming where I streamed this live. So the PTR servers, according to their blog, officially opened on January the 6th. Servers are limited. There will be one world available in US East and one world available in Central Europe. Now, none of this matters if you're not going to be testing out these new features, but the things they're doing actually in the testing realm is really important. So first, what are mutators? You may have heard them use this phrase before, but we're going to talk about what they are, how they're going to work, and what it means for your looting experience in the endgame. So a mutator is something that changes something familiar uh, by augmenting normal and named enemies found within expeditions, changing the way encounters play out, and what strategies players should consider before battle. And as combat changes, so do the rewards. New bespoke gear and resources can be found providing additional means to increase your power level. Now, how will this work? Okay, because It's not something that's just going to be automatic. This is something that you're going to opt into. Upon approaching and interacting with the expedition menu, players will be able to see the type of mutator available, the mutation level, gear score recommended to advance, and lastly, if they meet qualifications for entry, because it does get more challenging as you go up in difficulty. Now, what what are you trying to do here? Just make it more difficult? No, there's actual scoring and loot in relation to how you do when you go into these more challenging expeditions. Score is performance-based, taken from a combination of categories. Score is also a shared value for group members. The following categories count toward your overall score. Time. The better the time, the better the score calculated at the end of the run. This automatically turns me off. I've never been a big fan of running really tough content and being worried about time, but I'm sure the people that really optimize and build well for this are going to be excited to see just how fast they can run it. Takedowns will also be a part of your score, a target value for killing named enemies within the expedition, so you can't just run past everything. Team wipes. Each team wipe during a boss fight reduces the score by a significant amount. That's a pretty discouraging thing to hear if your team sort of struggles and has to go through a few wipes before you really iron out those rough edges, especially considering mutators are going to change your strategy and maybe even your build. Respawns. Each respawn reduces the score by a moderate amount. There are also bonus multipliers for run efficiency, minimal respawning or wiping, speed, and taking down all targets. So if you do well in those categories, not only will you not have the the, the reduction or the deduction of points, you'll get some bonuses as well. These are calculated at the end of an expedition run. The score ranks are bronze, silver, and gold. Advancement through each mutator difficulty level requires reaching a pre-designated level of proficiency within the highest achieved level. Higher scores mean advancement to higher 
higher difficulties, which in turn lead to bigger reward. Now, these are expedition updates. This is the ones that are going to actually receive some updates outside of mutations. Drop rates for named enemies in expeditions have been significantly increased. T5 gear has been added to Dynasty Shipyard loot tables when playing in a mutated expedition, and we've also adjusted certain enemy counts. Lazarus Instrumentality, they reduce the number of enemies when sealing the ancient Azoth portals in the Ostium. So if you are really, really interested in expeditions, they are making significant changes, and most of this will be added to the game, uh, if not all of it, as soon as the PTR is done. Now, hopefully, this is being done to make way for their big February update. Now, in the live stream, I'm going to read through the rest of the patch notes, but if you're watching this on SNTR updates, we try to give you short videos, so head over to SNTR Gaming. I may be streaming live whenever this upload hits, and as always, hit subscribe and the bell button, and I'll see you in the next video. And good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Thank you so much for being here on this Monday morning. I hope your weekend was as good as mine. We got a lot accomplished. We got some of the lights taken down on the outside of the house. It was raining uh, on Sunday, so we were able to get all the, all the snow melted. Took the kids sled riding on Saturday before everything melted. Uh, thank you to Oscar for sending those uh, those sleds. The kids were absolutely thrilled. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Go through your morning ritual of uh, smashing a like button. Get us to our first 100 likes. Uh, this new world update is more significant than just what I just read to you. There are more patch notes for us to comb through with respect to new features like the umbral umbral shard equipment upgrade system outpost rush balance changes some combat updates and adjustments to fast travel costs so we'll be going through that as well today uh, if you are uh, not really a fan of New World, this is one of the few games that we continue to loop back to in our coverage. I still haven't hit 60 with my character because there hasn't been a lot of reason to. I wasn't big on the end game, and the last time we played, uh, I found some of the later game areas to be a little annoying uh, and not all that fun. So just continuing to wait for them to give good reasons to dive back in. I thought this was a pretty good update to cover, and hopefully you guys uh, are still either enjoying the game or looking forward to some big updates. There is supposed to be something uh, coming in February. This update feels like filler. I, that's a weird description for a con- entire change to the end game structure and, and loot advancement. Uh, filler would usually be described as something that is inconsequential. This is significantly consequential to endgame structure, given that there will be greater levels of difficulty as you go up, and then greater levels of gear that will enable you to be stronger. Sounds to me as if they're laying groundwork for future content, as if they're anticipating the the longevity of the game, sort of the elasticity of the game, how do you allow players to continue to level up? How do you allow players to continue to climb? What's good feed? I see you in the chat. You know, how do you how do you take a game where you've beaten everything, you're level 60, you've, you know, you've gotten some great gear, well, what's next? How do you have an ongoing experience? Well, one of the best ways to do that is to modify existing capital I've always said that games like this don't get enough use out of their capital they don't go back and reuse um, assets or revitalize uh, old content uh, th- this is this is something I've even said about New World I mean one of the main problems I feel that New World struggles with is 
maintaining substance throughout the game. It gets very narrow in the end game, and that's not an uncommon problem. Most games like this struggle with that. You end up focusing on like two or three activities in the end game, and the the new world mutations could certainly be used to go back into old dungeons or expeditions or pieces of content and raise them up. Now you might have to retool some of the fights to make them to make them function well, but this is a great way to make sure that you don't just leave behind significant portions of the game. Um, that winter event was filler. These changes are significant. <clears throat> well, I don't even know. Winter event, calling the winter event filler, I mean, winter events aren't really meant to be anything other than just something fun. You know, I guess you could call it filler, but that's kind of like, that's kind of like, duh, right? That's like calling... I don't even know. That's like calling a, a, a rainy day wet. Like it's like, well, yeah, of course, those events aren't meant to be that. I, but I agree. I, I think this is significant. They're 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 changing the fabric of how Endgame is going to flow, which will influence whatever they have planned for February. So the New World roadmap that I am still waiting for. I don't know if we're going to get it. I mean, February might just be another kicking the can down the road, you know, update as it were. Um, I just got caught up on the recent terrible X-Men movies, so I'm here uh, for the mutants discussion. Yeah, well, we're not we're not going to derail as soon as we start. Um, that's not a good idea. Uh, if you're tuning in for the New World update, uh, the mutations uh, and 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 other details, there's other things involved here uh, in this update. Now, keep in mind these updates hit the New World PTR first, so your New World gameplay will be unaffected until this update actually rolls out to the rest of the servers. Uh, it feels like filler because I've been playing since launch and this uh, update is good for endgame, but now I have to grind the same old dungeons. I want new zones and dungeons. As I said, I feel like this is foundational for what you just described. Ink Sanity with eight months in a row. Thank you for eight months of subbed inks. Eight months of subs, Ink Sanity. Well, eight months of membership, as it were. Welcome back. I, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, NZN. There's no there's there's no great you know confetti throw in the air when they're like, hey, we've made some updates, and you're like, what can I do? Oh, well, you you can go and you can go and play stuff that you've already played, and you're like, why well, I've already played it? Why why would I want to do that? Well, I think to a certain extent, these mu- these mutations, these new world mutations, you would hope would actually change the gameplay to at least. A certain degree, so it would feel fresh. It would feel, you know, it would feel slightly new, as opposed to just being the same old, same old. Also, they're giving you a loot incentive to do it, right? Like they're setting it up to where if you do this, you're going to get better, uh, better loot. They walk through um, the fact that where was it where they talk about this? Um, da, 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 entering a mutated expedition. Da, da, da. I think it's down here beneath. Yeah, here it is. So let, let's get this up on the screen here. Let me refresh this so I can pull it up on my other uh, on my other browser here. Um, this is this is related to other updates as well that will give you a reason to log in. Now again, that's not that's not exciting when you consider the fact that like you we've been waiting for like actual new content for quite a while. 
Uh, but at the same time, at the same time, uh, this is this is the I think more foundational than it is meant to be pivotal. I don't think this is meant to be a pivotal moment in the game. I think this is meant to be foundational for new things coming down the road. DBS purge with four months. I've been seeing a lot of new players in my server, and the server mergers have brought life back into the game. Well, it's good to know that new world server merges have have benefited the game i know that you know new world population concerns continue to be uh an issue but the steam charts seem to be holding where yeah every 24 hours they they hit over a hundred thousand players i would say that's pretty healthy to have a player peak over a hundred thousand literally every day um i think that adds up to a pretty good amount of people every week the question will be will february bring people charging back in and if it does bring people charging back in what will it do to some of those servers uh indian says it just feels a little like destiny with strikes yeah it's good to incentivize them but there was a lack of new strikes I mean, I would think that in New World, one of the challenges they're going to have with trying to, like, revitalize New World gameplay is going to be, what what do you want them to do with respect to gigantic swaths of content once you're sick of them, right? Like, come up with the solution. Like, you're, you're putting your finger on a problem that I don't necessarily know is a problem, and I also don't necessarily know if there's a solution. So they build a massive world, they build six expeditions, and let's say once they open up the new world map, then they expand it, and there's more things for you to go and do. Well, guess what? All those things you're going to go and do, you're going to get sick of them too. And what are they supposed to do when that happens? They have to go back and revitalize, reinvigorate, and and give new purpose and new life to existing content, because there's so much of it. The alternative is to create this ever-hurtling forward experience where everything that you do, you leave behind because, I mean, hey, after so many runs, I'm sick of it, so why would I ever want to go back there again? And what ends up happening is you end up with a room, like, you end up with a game the size of an elephant, and then you want them to keep giving you new things to do. Well, the, the, the bandwidth and the ability for them to crank out new content is not going to be able to match the level of content you've already engaged with, if that makes sense. So think of it in this realm. They've had years to build the map, the world, the expeditions, all those experiences, and now you're hoping that in six months' time they can they can add more for you to do that would either rival that or at least supplant that. So you could be like, well, I'm done running all this old content. I want to run the new content. It would be like turning your back on an elephant-sized game and then living off of like little morsels of content like the size of a mouse. It just wouldn't satiate you. You'd be like, this is too small. Well, you're living off of the the treadmill of bandwidth from the company. They can't make enough. Like, this is always going to be a problem. You approach a game that, that's been worked on for years, and it's got all these different things built and all these different things for you to do. Baked within that is repetition, because if not, you 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 will, if you don't have repetition, then you're just going to run out of things to do quantitatively. So you have to build qualitative value within the quantitative value of the game so that you can drill down into certain activities and get life from them. And then you reach a point, like in New World gameplay, where you're like, yeah, I've, I've, I've kind of seen and heard everything. 
the likelihood that they're going to be able to create enough content for you in their advancements, expansions, DLCs, or whatever. Like, whenever we finally get a New World DLC, I I have severe doubts that it will be enough. It, I just don't think so. First, a roadmap would help a lot, saying maybe when an expansion or something is coming. Now, that's something I've been hammering away at. I've continued to say that a New World roadmap is desperately needed because it's really hard for people to feel a sense of investment in a game when they have no idea that, they, they, you know, no idea what's coming. Is there more? Is there is there more content coming? Is there is there when is it coming? Is it coming in a month? Is it coming in two months? Like, are we are we gonna live off of events like the winter event for the next twelve months while you build something really significant? I think it's hard for players to feel a sense of investment and trust when the new world gameplay content loop that you're experiencing in the end game has dried up so I don't disagree with you at all that a roadmap would go a long way I'm just putting up caution signs it that if it, that if all they put into the launch version of this game you got you got to a point where you got sick of it there's nothing unhealthy about that right there's nothing wrong with saying like hey I got to the point with new world where there was just nothing for me to do that's totally fine. You better come back with your eyes wide open and your expectations properly set. There's no DLC or additions to this game that are going to supplant and supersede levels 1 through 60 and 6 expeditions, 3 of which are worth running, and elite farming chests and elite runs and elite enemies and and min-maxing and crafting. Like, that's a wealth of content that if you're sort of done with, Anything they add on to the game will, I think, be naturally less than that just because of the sheer nature of how how development works. I can't see them creating equal amounts of content to what we've already played. I hate comparing the game to Destiny, but I played hundreds of hours of it. Uh, but we know expansions are lined up for years with three-month seasons baked in. Right, and there's that, that, that gives you that sense of trust and investment because why? Well, there's a song and a dance, right? There's there there's a song and a dance. You you've trusted them now with the rhythm. You're like, "Okay, I know that this is going to be happening." So if you know there's a new world DLC coming, but in between there's like these little sporadic seasons. Once they establish that, then you understand, "Here's how often I have to play. Here's how long I'm probably going to have to play and then roughly take a break about, you know, this this length of time in uh, into the game, you know, I, I I definitely agree with that. I think they have to get through their first twelve months before they get there because if you want to, I mean, if you want to compare it to Destiny, Destiny did not land on that content rhythm in a significant way until um, it was probably Shadowkeep when that when that officially landed as it exists right now. Prior to that, it was very, very different. Like you, you knew there were these seasonal, you know, things coming in battle passes and, and whatnot. But it was very, very different. It was they were finding their way. They were treated more as DLCs. They were treated more as like you couldn't even buy them a la carte. You had to buy them all together. Um, and so I, I do. I think that that's that's just something people have to accept. And everybody's always going to push back and be like. So is New World just not complete then? We're just supposed to accept not, you know, unfinished games? Well, no, but it's an ongoing game. And ongoing games don't have all those, all those 
nuts and bolts and polished edges when they come out because it's 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 not existed before today. So if it hasn't existed prior to today, then they have to kind of adapt to the demands of the of the community. They have to they have to respond to the exploitative nature of, of gamers, and then they have to be able to crank out content in a rhythm that's healthy for them, but also promotes healthy engagement from the users. Like so, it's it's not as simple as just being like, oh, this game's not complete. It's like, well, it's an ongoing game, so you know if. I'm trying to think of an example. Like an example would be the coffee that we sell, right? So the coffee that we sell, we 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 found our way, man. It was rough. We had never done it before. We had never dealt with this this company before. We didn't ha- know how long it was going to take to get to us. We didn't know how we were going to handle shipping to you guys. And now we've got it up and running, and it's humming. And we got three flavors. We're working on a um, we're working on another seasonal flavor for the summer. We just we just recently restocked on dark roast. That'll be here whenever. Um, you know a certain amount of time you know two two, three weeks or something like that and then so as the dark roast well you know winds down and now people are like well can you do subscriptions i'm sure when we delve into you know coffee subscriptions if and when that happens there'll be lessons learned mistakes made like what the why doesn't this work or why can't we do that or whatever why well we're finding our way with something new that, that, that doesn't mean that there weren't mistakes made along the way or that companies mishandled communication with us. That certainly did happen. But at the same time, we've, we've now learned a lot of great lessons going forward and can plan accordingly. And I think live service games are very, very similar. It's a brand new you know, endeavor for them. Well, other games are doing it. Not really. No, there aren't very many games out there right now that are attempting to do the 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 ongoing live service MMORPG style game without a subscription fee even if you look for subscription fee models there's only a handful of games that have done it and have done it successfully there's not this litany of games out there that have pulled this off and even if there are games that have pulled it off that doesn't mean that every game that that decides it wants to be like that is going to craft itself around that. I mean, we're covering Lost Ark later this afternoon. Do you honestly think that Lost Ark is going to be just some other mimic of other MMORPGs that are out there? Well, no. It's got its own way of doing things. Its own content rhythm. Its own content loop. You know, Master Ty, thank you for five months of subs. You know, New World DLC might literally be Oh, we opened up one new section of the map with a new weapon and new endeavors and new missions, and that's it, you know? It could be that, no, we're going to open up the entire new sections of the map all at once. Like, it's really hard to know. This is why I agree, and have said for weeks now, that we need a new world roadmap. It's great when we get these nice little new world updates, and they put up a blog, and we can read through it and talk through it, but I gotta tell you, I'm, 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 until they do something big... I'm ready to take a break from covering this. No one's, no one, no one tunes in when we've in in great numbers the last couple times we've covered it because I think people lost interest. They're like, look, we don't know what's happening. We don't know what's coming. The the updates are sporadic. We there's no rhythm, right? And it's hard as a as a YouTuber. It's hard as a community to know like where's the rhythm, right? We've 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 been silent about the game for a while. I think, oh, here's a big update. Let's cover it. And I can already tell interest is a lot lower than it was a month ago. Well, I, I, that's that's not my fault. <laughs> it certainly isn't my fault. The game itself has has gone. Uh, they they didn't go dark, but they've gone kind of sporadic with their updates and their announcements. And I think a significant help would be your updates need to be more regular and 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 scheduled. You know, and 
we, we need we need a roadmap, man. Like I'm not gonna keep covering a game to waning interest. Like that, I'm I, I'll, I'll I'll literally walk away and won't touch it again. It's not that hard. It's not that hard to walk away from a game if it's not if it's not got interest from the the, the public and if it's lost my interest as well. So February's kind of like the you better shine this diamond a little bit. You got you got to kind of get this thing back in the public's eye, people. You know, if 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 you want if you want people, you know covering it and interested publicly the dark roast should be named big brain roast (laughs) with lono's inflated head on the front no no thank you for what i'm seeing in new world ashen says it seems like they focus too much on leveling and didn't invest enough in the end game the leveling being such a slog just compounds this when i realized that all that was left for me to do was to put up with meager amounts of xp in frustrating environments i stopped right you're not level 60, haven't you already walked away? Uh, to a certain degree, yeah, because it didn't it wasn't satisfying. I wasn't ending gameplay sessions and being like, "Oh, please, I can't wait to dive back in tomorrow." It was, "Wow, I barely moved the XP needle." And uh, you know what I had the most fun doing? I had the most fun doing the winter event. I thought the winter event was fun. Why? Gave me something to do, gave me something to set my sights on. They, they, that was, there was a mission there was, there was, there was like a, a theme I was picking stuff up, I was grinding but then when I realized that like the grind for the currency to get like, to get more of the rewards, you know how you can like move down it just slowed down I was like, this is the same problem that the base game has it was like, what, what am I going to do? I'm not going to run around and pick up presents all day like, it, it wasn't tied to just basic gameplay, it was like I would go run faction quests. I would go run town board. I would level my character while also getting this currency for the winter event. But like once I finished the main quest, it was like, wait a minute, I'm not going to get injections of this currency anymore other than to log in daily and go to the tree. And I was like, I'm not doing that. I don't like, I don't like to feel like I'm being manipulated by a game. Give me gameplay. Don't give me a, don't give me a, a daily punch card. I wish we talked New World more. I started working on trade skills now that I only have one more slot to get to 590. I, I think they failed to capture my interest. They really did. There's a lot of games coming out, and I, I, I'm, I'm, being, I'm being honest with you. Being dead honest. Like, you gotta recapture, you gotta recapture my interest in February, or I'll, I'll, take, I'll take a sabbatical. I'll be like, I'm not touching that game for months. You know, if, if the public doesn't care, how am I supposed to care? Like, what, why would I continue to you know drag a drag a growing channel through your uninteresting game like why would i do that nobody cares what do you want me to do you you launch a big update we cover it and nobody's nobody's tuning in why well because you're 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 this is what frustrated me in december it was like there's no rhythm i don't know when i'm gonna cover your game i don't know when you're gonna drop big news you know you drop it on like i don't even know like some late thursday or middle of the day friday and then i'm supposed to like you know, uproot all my plans to cover your game? No. And I'm getting to the point now where I'm like, you know what? If it doesn't land timely, we're not covering it. I'm like, why? I'm covering something four days late now because you keep landing things super late Thursday. And I'm like, dude, I'm not covering this Friday. We have our own schedule Friday. And if it landed earlier in the day Thursday, we could at least do like a short or something. But yeah, I'm. Uh, our our coverage on this game is is gonna is is. I'm I'm ready to take a break. I'm ready to, to just be like, no, this is pointless, because it's too sporadic. It's extremely, 
Uh, it's extremely hard to cover a game when you're just like, oh wait, they randomly made an update? Oh, okay. And then you like scramble to try to cover it. And the funny thing is, their updates are good, right? Their updates are good. Like, this is a good update system. This new feature, this Umbral Shard equipment upgrade system, I, I think is a good system. They're making good changes, but it's like, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to do this thing where like you, you don't say anything for weeks at a time, and then all of a sudden you drop some. Look how long this blog post is. I'm gonna scroll all the way down to the bottom. So down here is the frequently asked questions. I'm gonna scroll all the way to the top, all the way to the top. Like there's really, really good info in here. Really, really good info. But they they main they didn't maintain good rhythm and 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 predictability, and so the audience starts to say we don't care. You know, and then I I have to start to say the same thing. I have to start to say the same thing. You know, if if the audience stops caring and the public stops caring, then I won't squeeze blood from a stone. Not for your game, I won't. Certainly not. Um, so when this so just for, just so we're clear, everything that we've been covering this morning is hitting the PTR first. So the January PTR is getting mutations. Uh, and they're getting they're getting updates to their expeditions that you'll be able to go enjoy. It's already in there. If you want to grab a, a, and make a character in a PTR, you'll be high enough level to do it. You'll be high enough to dive in and do it. We walk through the scoring, the advancements, mutator schedules. Oh, I didn't go over the mutator schedules. <clears throat> so if you are going to go into the New World PTR, expeditions will be mutated every 48 hours. So Dynasty, Garden, and Lazarus are going to rotate on 48 hours. Now... The difficulty level for each mutated expedition is tracked separately and will persist across mutation cycles. There are a total of eight different mutation combinations that will be randomly cycled alongside the 48-hour expedition rotation. The expedition interact menu will display the current mutation uh, available. Should we scrap Friday and make it Lost Ark Friday? Why on earth would I do that? From Friday is our best day of the week. Lost Ark is great, but I'm I'm not... I can cover Lost Ark any day of the week. That what would be the reason for that? Um, so we already covered the expedition changes, though. But this is how it's going to work in the PTR: a forty-eight hour rotation. There's a total of eight different mutation combinations that will randomly cycle alongside the forty-eight hour expedition cycle uh, expedition rotation. Okay. The Expedition Interact menu will display the current mutation available. So you just go to the Expedition, you check out the mutation menu, and there you go. Now, down here is, these are other things that will be coming to the game whenever this PTR update rolls in uh, to the main game. I could make myself a little bit bigger here, so I just fit in this sidebar. Um, Let's go down like that. There we go. Kind of keep me out of the way. Okay, so with this release, right, with this release, we have added Umbral Shards to the game. Umbral Shards are a mysterious, powerful resource that enable you to take an item from a gear score of 600 all the way up to a gear score of 625. Raising your equipment's gear score uh, in this way is critical if you want to dive into higher difficulty mutated expeditions or gain a competitive edge in PvP. We have also increased the expertise cap to 625. There is an earnable soft cap at 600, right? Which you can reach in the same way as before, such as gypsum casts and defeating powerful enemies. With this update, crafting a gear score 600 item will also raise your expertise if you are not already at 600 for that item. 
Going from 600 to 625 requires Umbral Shards, which can be acquired in three ways. You can complete mutated expeditions, craft a gear score 600 item when your expertise with that item is also 600, opening a gypsum cast when your expertise for that item is also at 600. Umbral shards can also be applied to, oh, I'm sorry, can only be applied to an equipment piece if both these two conditions are met. The equipment piece is gear score 600. Your expertise for that equipment is also 600. I'm going to be honest. I think this system sounds so unnecessary. Uh, It sounds, I don't know why they decided to do this. Why do we have to have a gear score and an expertise score? Because everything they do now, they have to do this like, this has to be this and this also has to be this. So your gear score's got to be 600. Your expertise also has to be 600. If you craft a gear score 600 item when your expertise with that item is also 600, you get an umbral shard. Like, why do we have to do this? Like, just go to one number. Like, I, I worry that this is going to be continually disruptive to updates and expansions because instead of just completely getting rid of and doing a jettison of the gear score system, they wanted to honor the work of the people that had been wor- been playing the game prior to that change, and now they have these two systems, like, entangled with each other. Like, I read this, and I immediately get disinterested because I'm like, wait a minute, why do I have to have two scores on on an item why 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 can't i just have one simplified score this makes me not want to do this thing that they just outlined i don't want to do all of that so i have to okay so i got to get my gear score to 600 i also have to get my expertise score to 600 once i get both to 600 then i can start working on your umbral shard equipment upgrade system like what they say from they say 625 is a significant need uh, it's not at all. How do you know that? You've not played the uh, the mutators, right? You've not paid. You've not paid the mute. Played the mutators. How do you know you don't need to go all the way up to six twenty five? Umbrals, you? Yeah, I don't. This this system sounds so unnecessarily complex. Good morning, drifters. Lono should sabotage his channel because one viewer doesn't like the content. I. I don't know why you guys are still interacting with the, with one of the worst suggestions I think I've ever seen. Um, Lost Ark's going to take over the MMO genres and Souls games are boring. Yeah, I, w- there's no reason to entertain that person. One of my most watched videos on this channel is Lost Ark gameplay. I will be covering and playing Lost Ark, but there's plenty of other things for us to do. I, with Elden Ring coming from Fridays, has been a very big investment for us, and our strongest streams keep landing on from Friday, so... There's no reason to entertain just a, a horribly, and I'm not being mean here. It's just an ignorant suggestion that, that he doesn't understand what we've been working on and doing. He's just throwing out like a, oh, Lost Ark's going to be huge and amazing. Yeah, we know that. That's why we've invested in it. That's why we've played it. I played the beta four and five times. Uh, I have coverage this afternoon of it. That we, we, we're, we're well aware that Lost Ark is going to be popular and a, and a potentially very, very good you know game for us. But that doesn't mean that we get rid of something we've invested in for six months now called From Fridays, right? Sekiro is the only game I'm playing at the moment. Yes, I don't know what to do Friday because God of War hits for PC and, you know... Sekiro, I've really been enjoying it. The problem with Sekiro is when I get to a boss and I only have 30 minutes left, I need to start saying this isn't enough time and just go in and try and learn. 
I, I was like trying to brute force that fight with that guy and I got really irritated because I have like 30 minutes left and I was like this is just so frustrating and you know the backseat gaming kind of misled me a little bit I had, I had spent you know seven episodes of Sekiro not ever dodging because people told me it was terrible to dodge um, and in general dodging is pretty punished in a lot of the fights you don't want to dodge it's been six months I think the first time we did a From Friday was six months ago. I think it was in the middle of last year. I think so. Because it took us it took us 12 episodes to beat Dark Souls. That's easily three or four months because there were some weeks we didn't get a chance to do it, or so, I, I think. It took us about 12 episodes to beat Dark Souls 3. So, if you're just tuning in for the New World update, we went over the mutations... And we're now looking at an update about the Umbral Shard equipment upgrade system. I am not a fan of this constant having expertise and gear score be separate thing. I worry that they're trying to blend two systems that just don't need to be blended. Just get rid of gear score. Like, what's the point? Or, once you get to a certain point, gear score should just disappear. Everything should be expertise. Um, yeah, I won't be touching Monhun. Greenside coming in with five months. Hey, Lono, it's my birthday, and guess what I got? Oh, no. That's the worst worst birthday present ever, Greenside. I hope you mend quickly. Uh, happy birthday, by the way. Um, uh, if you didn't know life, the New World gear score grind early, how should you grind the gear score uh, now? No. No, I don't... I, Somebody in chat might have to give you some guidance here, Old Soul. So Old Soul's asking, how do you grind gear score now in New World? Like, what exactly is the approach? It, it, I don't I don't know. I've not been touching the game. The leveling just turned me off. Like, I just... I can't play a game that doesn't let me progress. It just it short-circuits the way that I'm wired. Like, I am very much a quester. Like, I just want to grab quests and run quests and grab quests and run quests. This is why Lost Ark, the gameplay in Lost Ark, to me, was so much more addicting and easily to fold into the New World gameplay because New World was, from the very beginning, well, not from the very beginning, from about the halfway point, I felt like the game did nothing but try to slow me down. And it just, the veil slipped further and further and further from the game that when I got into the 50s, I was like, it's very clear that you want this to take a long time. This isn't designed because it's good. This is designed because you want your endgame to last a long time, right? <laughs> it's like, that. that's not good. That's, that, that's not good gameplay. It's designed to be stretched, not designed to be enjoyed. My sister uh, had her baby on the 8th. His name is Xavian. I've been told my birthday parties going forward will be on the 8th, uh, not the 7th, and Paw Patrol themed. <laughs> uh, the gear score grind really turned me off. Yeah, J- Jobin says you run an expedition, gypsum chest run. That over and over. What are your thoughts on the competitive arena like WoW has 2v2, 3v3, in a much needed ranked PvP aspect for the game, and in my opinion, it's more hours of content than any PvE content that they could add. Yeah, the dilemma there, Enzian, is New World PvP is is not built for that, but it doesn't mean it couldn't be, right? So your suggestion's not really out of out of place, but at the moment, I don't think that it fits for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, I think that the New World PvP experience is largely built around the idea of 
territory control. So you're if if the reason they do this, like so, let's say you're down in New Light, and they are there are people coming in and wanting to throw you into conflict. Well, the way they have to throw you into conflict is if they they have to grab uh, quests and flag for PvP. They have to do the PvP quests. Now, if you're doing your due diligence, you're going around in that area flagged as PvP, and you're trying to make it hard on anybody who isn't like. So let's say you're 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 purple. When you see the green and yellow guys running around, yellow, orange, mustard, whatever it is, you see the green and the yellow guys running around, you, you're you supposed to try to stop them. You know, if you're in your area flagged as PvP, the reason that they come and flag for PvP is you're supposed to kind of try to disrupt them. That's, the, that's, that's like sort of the entrance level PvP experience. Then there's Outpost Rush, and then there is the Wars. So these are two ways in which you can, you can play PvP. None of that in the current moment, in the current moment, none of that strips down the 2v2s and 3v3s for some of rank or something of that nature. That doesn't mean they couldn't add that later, but at the current juncture, I don't think that's in the purview. That's not in the POV of the game. The game seems more focused on open world random PvP in an effort for you to try to like disrupt or slow down people throwing your area into conflict. And then you have outpost rush and then you have the 50 versus 50 wars. Uh, scaling any of that down to like 2v2s and 3v3s is probably very doable because it'd be interesting if they did this 2v2 3v3 thing and they didn't allow I don't know how you would do this like don't allow people to stack three healers or something um, because that's what it would turn into right like three heal your three healers with void gauntlets when they added the new world void gauntlet it became pretty clear that healers were about to have a heyday right there now they're getting something that, that, that'll that'll spec off of focus and they'll be able to be even stronger so 50 versus 50 wars are fun but uh and all but me and my buddies want a smaller more strategic pvp experience and there certainly could be room for that in an interview the the, the new world game director did an interview about the game and he said that they were really wanting to focus on solo player experiences and early and mid game experiences. So they're not they're they're not opposed to taking elements of the game and stripping them down to their more basic parts. So if you stripped down the current New World PvP experience and you stripped it down to its more basic parts, then you might end up with something that you're describing and saying, well, listen, we have a lot of players that would like to go head-to-head in a more controlled environment. So, you know, New World gameplay would be dramatically affected by that because then you got to think if you're facing off in 2v2s and 3v3s well then that could naturally funnel people away from the open world which means then conflict would be happening more often maybe wars would be happening more often maybe that is a good way of like incentivizing and creating a focus shift so that pvp minded players have something else to do we've talked about this in other games before if you don't give the hardcore pvp minded players like something to sink their teeth into a ranking system a trajectory uh if you don't give them i've called it a playground well what they end up doing is is they form really degenerate cannibalistic behavior and that's something that can happen in new world we know that's something that's happened in new world so if you gave a lot of those pvp minded players something to kind of focus on gave them a playground to go and do something in then they they might they might not be doing all of the you know if there's griefing or other things going on in the open world I don't think griefing in the open world is the primary concern right now. I think one of the primary concerns is the people that exploit and cheat during the wars. 
Harry says, The absolutely best experience in New World was open world Zerg fights for influence. Had a 50v50v50 between all three factions across a small bridge in Cutlass Keys. So fun. See, and that's because that crops up. That's kind of random. That's kind of crazy. That kind of creates like a, you know, a, a living world feel. And the community could certainly, you know, promote that sort of thing. Like, hey everybody on this server get ready go to this big open field on friday night and we're all gonna you know we're all gonna have a a 50 v 50 v 50 battle or whatever like and obviously that that you would hope that you know one side doesn't show up with 10 and then 75 shows up for the other if you're tuning in for the new world update we combed through this update and covered the mutations uh the the new world ptr update for January, we we looked through that this new feature here, the Umbral Shard equipment upgrade to take to, to take equipment basically from uh, 600 up to a gear score of 625, uh, and then also an experience cap of 625. So something that seems to be emerging from this system is that both gear score and expertise score will go up together. So if they do uh, if they do a new world DLC in 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 the future. It is very possible that what they'll do is they'll raise gear caps and expertise caps simultaneously. I I, I have to continue to say, I'm just not a fan of this. I would appreciate a clean break with this. So I, I could envision them saying, look, we're going to we're going to get everybody to 700, right? And once you get to 700 gear score and 700 expertise, from that moment on, all that matters is expertise. Like, gear will drop and gear will be classified as something else or something I don't know. And then it just takes on the properties of your expertise. And your expertise in those areas go up dependent upon the stuff that you're running and investment in those certain categories or something or drops themselves. Like, uh, maybe stuff doesn't drop with a gear score anymore, it just drops with an expertise score. So something drops and it's like 705 and it's it, it being a 705 it's like okay here's your here's your 705 helmet and it's a 705 expertise score there just is no I just don't I don't understand the reason to have both of these systems coexisting I I feel like in 12 months we're going to be wishing that they hadn't done this we'll be like this is just so unnecessary having these two worlds colliding constantly um just not a fan if you aren't in those groups, it's hard to be in the right place at the right time. It's something you have to be in the know for. This was when I was in the top PvP faction for the Marauders, so every other top company uh, would watch each other and fight all the time. Valerian says, You can't script or influence that kind of experience, though. In my opinion, it feels like they are trying to manufacture that kind of thing. That is emergent gameplay and can't be scripted. Sure, and, you know, there's nothing that says that they can't start saying, Hey, um... There's going to be random, random world bosses that crop up, and uh, when they do, we uh, we anticipate you guys sort of fighting over the spoils, and 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 kind of battling and duking it out in the area. You can certainly throw bait in the water and see if the fish don't gather. Those those are all the ways that you know you could start to try to manipulate emergent gameplay. By the way, if you're enjoying the show and never been here before, we cover a lot of different games. Uh, New World being one of those games that uh, we're getting less frequent in our coverage just because 
I, I expressed some frustration this morning. It's it's really hard, you know, to invest everything we did with the game and then to see the information fall into such a sporadic formation, which then intrinsically affects my ability to cover it, which then affects viewership and support, which is, it, it, there's just multiple layers of irritation there. There's It's irritating as a player to be like, I don't know what in the frick's going on. And then as a content creator, it's irritating because it's like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and then to see the, you know, negative results in our coverage, um, I'm, I'm being very strongly disincentivizing for, you know, from covering this game until something significant happens. Uh, I thought this was a pretty significant update, but again, I think a lot of the player base has moved on until something far more significant happens, whether it's a stream, uh, a roadmap, or a DLC. I continue to say that a roadmap would, uh, would go a really, really long way. Um, so, but if you've never been here before, we do cover a lot of games. We have a Lost Ark stream this afternoon. Uh, they released a new trailer that goes over a lot of nice new things to frame the game really well for you. If you're interested in Lost Ark, we'll be covering that later. Um, and, uh, we're, we're hopeful. I'm hopeful that there's like a new world live stream or a video like they did last month in January to really set up February. Most of us have moved on. Yeah, if the community's moved on, I'm I'm not gonna pull teeth, right? I'm not. I I I, I thought my I thought to myself it's like the last time we did this it felt like people had kind of moved on. The conversation you know was was very infrequent. Lots of people weren't contributing to the conversation. Viewership wasn't there and I thought, okay, you know, I'm not gonna force it, right? I'm not. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna force coverage until something more significant happens. I thought this was a pretty significant update and again I just think it's difficult to get people's attention when they've decided that they don't care anymore. And I think that's why they need to do something pretty big um, for uh, for February. Uh, I've stopped when healing exploits became up. Rush game, uh, bury this thing. Well, I don't necessarily think it needs to be buried. I, I definitely think I always want to keep a toe in this game because I, I, I still do think this game could come a long way. I really do. I, I think end of this year they could push out some significant updates and changes and it could be in a much better spot the fact that they still are, are hitting a hundred thousand player peaks every day i think is 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 showing that there is health and there is life here um you know i don't i don't think it's uh, i don't think it's on its way out by any means we need a day or two to look at everything coming this year so far I'm not going to do that. There's no way to set yourself up for search for that. You guys ask for content that doesn't work until you're much larger. People wanted like my games of the year, my predictions for the year or everything coming this year. Like I can't do that. You've got to be a big, big streamer to do that. We have to drill. If you haven't noticed what we're doing is we, we have to drill into a game and subject and like that's what pulls people in whether it's Elden Ring, Lost Ark, Ashes of Creation, those have been some of our best coverage. I can't be like, here's everything coming in 2022. That's just too generic. Like, that doesn't function. You know? Now, Outpost Rush balance changes. We think summoning a brute's proved to be too frequent and too easily handled uh, by solo players alone. We want this to be more of a group effort, so we've increased the cost by 50%. Brute summoning stone cost has increased from 500 to 750. So, for those of you that enjoy Outpost Rushes, brutes will be a little less frequent and a little more costly than maybe you had gotten accustomed to. Um... Combat updates. The following combat-related changes have also been made within this update. There was a fix to the bow, an issue that allowed players to instantly jump-cancel the bow shot recovery. 
Void Gauntlet, the blessed item perk is now available on the Void Gauntlet. Ammo refund. Uh, Effects from abilities, perks, and the attribute bonus that refunds ammo now has a two-second cooldown. Uh, Fast travel cost. We've heard your frustrations uh, with the cost of fast travel, and this release includes an update that dramatically reduces the distance factor and the amount of Azoth required for each trip. Accordingly, the faction control point bonus associated with fast travel now reduces the distance factor to zero. So this is different than what they originally stated. So they've walked this back a little bit. Initially, they said they were going to remove the distance factor. They were just going to get rid of it, right? Um, uh, they, they said they were going to get rid of it. Now what they're saying is they're going to re- dramatically reduce it and the faction control point bonus will reduce distance factor to zero. So they've tweaked what they've said a little bit. So there will still be a distance factor, okay? There will still be a distance factor involved, but it will be reduced and then it will be zero if you have the uh, the control point bonus. So they, they're, they're in my mind, they're making it pretty clear here that if the um, if the if the fast travel you know complaints continue, they're willing to make adjustments. But this one is not quite what they had originally stated. I want all you nerds who argued with me about the fast travel cost to read the fast travel cost section about six more times. Yeah, but this still doesn't address all your concerns, Alarian. Um, like the distance factor wasn't the only reason people got annoyed. They were like, it's just it's. There, most of the people that took issue with fast travel costs just didn't like the fact that it cost anything at all. Dramatically reduced distance factor. You know why? Because fast travel costs are straight cheeks. But they originally stated they would be removing it. The first week it felt like everyone was playing New World. Now it feels like just a small group of dedicated players, which is ironic for the casual MMO, right? Uh, of course not. Just pointing out that the devs are saying it's an issue. One of the reasons that you probably got pushed back on fast travel in New World, Alarian, is that I was one of the people that also pushed back a lot of the times. Not necessarily, I don't remember any arguments with you, but I would push back on it because I said, listen, they the, the traversing the world on foot is meant to be a pretty regular loop for you. It's meant to be something that you're doing regularly to advance in the world, to get all the things you need, to get resources, you know, to feel a sense of, like, achievement when certain things get faster, right? And fast travel is meant to be a very, very intentional choice. It's not meant to be something that you're just constantly doing. And I feel like they met they met everybody on a pretty, pretty good middle ground. There are a lot more fast travel shrines than there used to be. They've added more, and they've made them significantly easier to find. They're literally, like, on your map now so just walk toward them and then they're saying all right listen if you got to travel a really far distance we're not going to absolutely shred your azoth but we're still going to have associated costs that are only completely eliminated with respect to distance uh you still have to pay obviously but the distance cost is going to go away if you own that you know you own the faction our debate centered around strategic decision making you made good points of course we just disagreed it really comes down to whether or not you accept the game as it exists. Like they still haven't given, they still have not given over to the position about fast travel. They, they, like the position about fast travel being like, oh, I should just be able to do it whenever I want, or it shouldn't cost anything. 
they're not giving over to that for one simple reason the, the, the game still wants to retain its inherent identity of one of exploration and you know traversing the world as a as an, an explorer and a survivor it's not meant to be one where you are um, you, you know daisy chaining your way around the map and just fast traveling like crazy they're, I don't think they're ever going to do away with fast travel costs they're just making it more reasonable because it still needs to be something that you're you're intelligent about you can't be like yeah man you know we're uh, we're just bouncing around the map today no it needs to be something that you invest in or, or, or in our in our intentional about uh, with all things there can be a middle ground I want something uh, all the way over here others want hardcore stuff all the way over there there can be good compromises in general, I think it comes down to the intention of the developer. Like, did they want New World gameplay to be one where you're running through roads and fields and forests and attacking and getting attacked and finding things? Or do they want one where you're you're almost engaging with it as if there's chapters? You're just like, I'm going here, doing this, and I'm fast traveling over here, and I'm doing this. And... I don't know. I, I, I think that the intention of the developers is very clear. I, I don't think it's hard to see. They want the game to maintain that sense of exp- exploration. Um, I think mounts, if they do them, are a long way off. Uh, you know, we're faster on roads by a just a pitiful amount. <laughs> it's not much at all. Like, I feel like they're making very... They're making very reasonable, but at the same time, very meager offerings to the people that were irritated about fast travel. As the game evolves, the fast travel system will adjust uh, to what the game represents. The original design vision seemed to be to sequester cities as separate hubs. Um, Yeah, well, even that, I think, is, is an issue. Like, I'm all about, like having intelligent choices about fast travel and having intelligent choices about, well, should I just hoof it or not? Should I walk or not? But yeah, the thing like, oh, I put a bunch of stuff down in new light storage and I'm up here in a different city and I can't get my stuff. I, I find that to just be such an unnecessary pain point. You know, this game is dead. I, I, I always find it interesting that people type that. Like, does that, why? Are you are you that emotionally unstable that like you upset about the game or didn't like the game or never touched the game? You want to come and decry it as dead when it has player decline? They're they're still hitting player peaks of a hundred thousand players a day, which puts it into like what probably the top twenty, top fifteen games on Steam. Um, and if you were to take a hundred thousand players a day, average that out over a seven day period. You know, you probably have anywhere from close to two, I would say around two million unique logins a week, I would say, to maintain over 100,000 player peaks. Um, I don't know. I've always found that to be interesting, though. Like that, I, I'd like to analyze the behavior is what, what, what sort of excitement or joy or enjoyment do you get out of like going into chat and being like, this game's dead? Like, I don't understand. Like, Doing better than Halo on Steam? Well, that's not a fair comparison, and you know it. It's only playable on Steam. Uh, Mrs. Bloodhound with three months of subs says, Woohoo, welcome back. Thank you for three months, Mrs. Bloodhound. I don't know. Um, 
I don't know what magic you worked over the weekend, but the coffee I ordered still hadn't shipped Friday because of the snow, and now it's supposed to be here by lunch. We didn't work any magic. We dropped everything off. Um, when did we drop everything off? On Saturday, we dropped everything off. Like I think Wednesday to Friday, all coffee orders were in a box. We like my. I wasn't. I. I didn't want my wife going out in it. It was considered a state of emergency for Kentucky, so. I was like, yeah, don't go out and then it's not worth it. And uh, we took everything Saturday and I dropped it off. So, because by then the snow was, you know, kind of melting and uh, things were warming up. So, if you guys want to support the channel, it's really, really easy. Subscribing is free. We, we haven't gotten a single new subscriber this morning, which is kind of shocking. But again, I think it just points to where this game is right now without a significant update roadmap or... or uh, really big content push i think that the public has is has lost interest uh so if you haven't hit subscribe yet do so smash that like button get us our first 200 likes consider ordering some coffee that's a way to directly support my shirt comes from 80s tees and those are disc plates i got new disc plates and new shirts coming uh we've been we've been working with 80s tees and disc plate for a while now and you guys continue to support those with those commands in chat down here in the corner you'll see a little rotator of all the ways you can support directly Uh, I am a safer-work broadcaster, so Monday through Friday we're doing talk shows here about variety game coverage. This afternoon we have a a show about Lost Ark. Depending on how the next hour goes, we may jump early to Lost Ark. It it just depends. The game is not pulling new heavy uh, players heavily, but the game is not dead. I'm actually curious over over the holidays and with the sales they've been doing, I'm actually wondering when I see those player numbers... How many of the, how many of the people in that player number pool are new players? Like making the numbers look more impressive, right? Like I could see like we didn't even get a we didn't even get a grand on the first hour. Like that's that's weak. That's really really weak. So it's hard to know. Is that like if you look at the player numbers daily? I wish we could see daily how many of those are newer players, or is it just all dedicated players, right? Like. That's that's the big question. Is all right. Well, do you have do you have new players constantly funneling in, or is this just a super dedicated core? There's also the consideration to be made that the ter- the server merges helped. You know, how punishing is the game for a new player? It's not punishing at all. It's it's extremely the best hours of the game are probably the first twenty to fifty. Those are literally the best experiences in the game. Everything gets kind of uh after that. When leveling slows down, when, you know, territory control suddenly starts to matter to you, um, if you're one to do PV, PvP, uh, territory wars, endgame grinds, whether it's elite farms or doing the expeditions, um, all that stuff, you know, I, I think that that, I think, I think that's when the frustrations start to rise. Like the new the new players, I, honestly, there were um, they address this in a blog post or a dev diary or it's, I don't know what the frick a while ago, and um, they said that they said that people were asking for the new server experience. They wanted that land rush of an entire server of new players jumping in and grinding and getting leveled up and going for territory grabs and like there are people that are asking for that experience alone just the just the new fresh beginning stage experiences right what happens when they go to pvp and stuff for missions 
Oh, well, that... Okay, so yeah, there are elements where there would be a disproportionate amount of pain for new players if they want to play PvP. So that's a good example. So let's imagine a brand new player gets to level... Uh, you know, 17 to 20 and they're with a faction and they want to level the faction quicker and they see those uh, they see those PvP faction missions, right? They see them and they say, okay, um, let's let's go and uh, let's go and do these, okay? Well, more than likely, they're going to encounter a bunch of max-leveled players that are flagged for PvP and will just brutalize them, you know? So yes, that aspect of being a new player is 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 pretty bad. And a lot of people told me they were like, "Dude, seriously, this game is heavy PVP. If you don't want to do PVP, then you, you know, you're not going to really enjoy it." And if they're correct in their assessment, I don't think they're correct in their assessment, by the way. I think people were too presumptuous about this game being so PvP-centric and the game director indicating they're focused more on solo play and early and mid-game play. I've been proven right once again that the PvP elements of the game are not what will keep the game, you know, ongoing. What will keep the game ongoing is uh, just an ocean of casuals who just want to play and they don't want to do all those things right now the upper echelon players and the hardcore players certainly have thrown themselves into the pvp and the wars and the territory control and all of that but that's brought that's brought more frustration and problems than anything and a lot of those players have walked away because that aspect of the game just felt like it lacked way more polish and in lacking that polish it became very just like unenjoyable it was like well, i don't want to do this why am I going to do this? Why am I going to why am I going to go play this? There's cheats, there's exploits, it's broken, it's laggy, it's whatever. So, I, I think the lion's share of the players still playing, I think a good portion of them are the mid lanes or the casuals that just want to go, you know, chop trees down. Which I think is one of the reasons that the game has a massive amount of potential because it appeals to the more mid lane and you can just kind of play it in a very casual, you know, casual uh, way. New World's becoming less casual and new player friendly. I don't agree with that. Only only in the realm of PvP. So the people saying that they want fresh are saying that the game the late game is literal garbage. Uh, it happens with the Escape from Tarkov. You get about one or two months in and people just drop it because Endgame uh, is just the same thing over and over and the early game is seen as the best part of the game. Well, and I think this is one of the reasons why you know No Man's Sky's expedition approach was really really smart right it was like well here we're going to give you the early game no man's sky experience in a seasonal format so you can kind of keep coming back and keep enjoying yourself and and having that early game experience now i don't know if anything like that would work for new world because so much of new world is built on the idea of investment of 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 building up a player and 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 getting control of areas and being in a faction and being in a company and all of that investment kind of goes out the window if you're like well i'd rather play the early in the mid game right if you're tuning in for the new world update we talked about the mutations we talked about out uh they did some stuff to outpost rush but the main thing they're adding as well when the uh the mutators get added to the game currently they're in the ptr the Umbral Shard Equipment Upgrade System we also outlined, and I, I, I think it's got, I don't know, I think it's got serious longevity problems uh, with respect to always having to maintain two numbers on every on every piece of gear. 
Uh, I think casuals will just look elsewhere to games like Final Fantasy XIV, WoW, Guild Wars 2. New World's way too grindy and sandboxy for the casuals. I think what you just said is just so bizarre. So you think... Am I reading this right? You think casuals are going to run to Final Fantasy XIV, World of Warcraft, and Guild Wars 2. New World's too grindy and sandboxy for casuals. I... Everything about those two sentences absolutely seems like an upside-down universe to me. I don't think any of those games... Maybe... I know WoW started to try to appeal to casuals more and more, but Final Fantasy XIV and Guild Wars 2 are certainly not... I I cannot see those as being casual-friendly games. Talk about drinking from a fire hose. And I, I certainly don't think that New World is more grindy than any of those games. What if... It, that's literally what defines those those games. Final Fantasy fourteen is a pretty casual, um, pretty casual. Really? I don't know. I've not heard that before. I've heard that though. It's it's it, it demands a lot of you to dive into. It might be once you get into the into the rhythms, maybe. But I don't know. That's how I felt when playing New World. At least I consider myself a casual. Uh, I don't know who said that. I'm just listening from a distance, but that's one of the most absurd things I've heard in the last five years. Yeah, I, I can't see Guild Wars 2, World of Warcraft, and Final Fantasy 14 scooping up and appealing to casuals. Um, Final Fantasy 14 is definitely, ca- definitely casually friendly. Half the player base just sits in their houses dancing. There are casuals in Escape from Targoff in all games, so unfriendly to new and casual players, but they love the big grind. The last time I logged back into WoW, uh, it had like 12 currencies to collect for gear. I logged out. Final Fantasy 14 is definitely a casual game from story from a story standpoint. The story is grindy, but other than that, it's pretty casual friendly. Okay, well, you guys are all saying that Final Fantasy 14 is casual friendly. Okay. Would you say that New World is more grindy for new players than Final Fantasy 14? Aren't they all grindy games? Like, I don't feel like New World's disproportionately more grindy. You know what I mean? I definitely think New World is grindy, but the, the grind in New World hits, like, late stages. Like, once you get past, like, you know, level 30 and 40, which even casual players are getting there, I'm sure. I get burned out on these games quick, though. Uh, the combat's just basic. I wonder if everyone will make, if anyone will make a skill-based MMO. Well, the challenges to a skill-based MMO is that a lot of gamers aren't skilled. So what are you going to do when no one plays for very long? Like, does that make sense? You know, like, I think one of the dilemmas of, of modern gaming is that a majority of the player bases in virtually every game they suck. <laughs> like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not being mean, but like, the majority of player bases out there are terrible players. They don't know what in the frick's going on. And if you tried to do a skill based MMO, it wouldn't be a very long living game because you'd have a lot of players walk away because they stink and they're not good. <laughs> This is why skill-based matchmaking debates always come up, because what ends up happening is, I I saw somebody talking about this the other day, they basically said that the most moderate, most slightly above average player seems like a god 
to all the really bad players out there like they think they're getting slapped down by pros and it's like no you're just you're just awful at the game right the narrative around souls proves that point for me i think the biggest problem with souls though eugene is that the difficulty is 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 genuine when you don't use a wiki if you didn't use a wiki you wouldn't have been able you would have felt the same thing everybody else felt I'm I'm I can't do any damage. I'm not I'm barely hurting the boss. I'm dying really really fast. And then you'd have been like I don't I don't I don't want to play this. Like when you use a wiki, it completely changes the entire landscape of the discussion that the narrative around Souls games is genuine. Why? Because the average person tried to play it and figure it out and couldn't figure it out. They didn't understand why their sword wasn't doing as much damage or why they, you know, why they weren't, you know, getting stronger or whatever because the game explains basically nothing, right? Didn't use it for 3. Well, I okay, but you through osmosis, I refuse to believe that you went into 3 blind. Through osmosis, you had far more knowledge than the average person who tried to play Dark Souls 1, 2, or 3 for the... if those are their very first endeavors, right? Like, if it's your very first endeavor into a Souls game, and you've never heard or read anything about it, they're incredibly confusing, right? Like, so... Th- th- that's the issue. I, I think so much about because I remember when I fought. I remember being in Dark Souls three and I fought the the one uh, who was it. I always forget the name. Um, it's it's the it's it's a plural name because you fight two guys in the second round. He's on fire or whatever, and you're fighting on piles and piles of bodies. And I remember people remarking at my D- my DPS. Well, well, yeah, of course. I had people basically giving me Wikipedia on the game in chat, like, build into this and spec into that, and then my sword was doing an insane amount of damage. So a fight that ordinarily would have been, yeah, the Abyss Watchers. So the Abyss Watchers, like, that fight ordinarily would have been frustrating and difficult and taken twice as long as it did, but I went in with a, with, I was, you know, I was probably over-leveled at that point. You know, I don't know how if I don't know if you can maintain being over leveled in that game. I don't know if there's a way, you know, to farm and maintain like, oh, you're always going to be doing so much damage comparatively because I think they start capping some of the builds, don't they? So you get to a point where you are going to be on level footing with some of the more later bosses, maybe. Um, if you're using a wiki on a game like Souls and you're missing out on what you paid for, I completely disagree. I think. As much as I like from software, I think being withholding with information is not is not a uh, is not a discovery mystery game design. I think it's a way to cheat the player into taking longer to discover things, so that gameplay goes up as well as difficulty. I don't find it to be charming. I don't find it to be good. I find it to be arguably I think it's just kind of stupid to be like we're not going to tell you what you're supposed to do or how systems work you're supposed to experiment well how in the frick are you supposed to experiment let me ask you that because once you start spending your souls on a build and if you guess wrong and you invest in the wrong stat there's no going back for that it's not like you can respec your character because you experimented and you learned 
oh wow i now know how this stat or that stat or this stat works there's no going back and that's why i think like withholding information isn't difficulty or mysterious i think it's stupid i like that's one of my biggest criticisms of from software games is they leave the player in the dark about basic features and the fundamentals of the game so the player's tripping on themselves and confused or or struggling to output damage or take damage and it's like you can respec what do you mean you can respec what how you don't you have to go late game and find some person to respec or is there a button that lets you respec for free in dark souls am i that ignorant did i not pay attention to that are you are you actually that equipped to trial and error in the game even still if there is that that's that's just such that's so stupid like trial and error like i'm gonna invest in this stat well that didn't work let me try this there's more information button you can press on the stat screen. Also, players leave messages uh, all the time. The world is covered in them. Yeah. If you put more hours in a game you paid for, is a bang for your buck. Now, that's subjective, though. I don't agree with that. Just because you netted more hours doesn't mean you got more bang for your buck. That No, absolutely not. Like, if, um, uh, if, if I pay $60 for a game and it takes me 100 hours to beat because it's mazing and confusing and frustrating and I had to consult wiki guides and YouTube videos and certain instances and certain fights took twice as long because I didn't know what in the world was going on. I didn't get more bang for my buck. I'm frustrated the entire time. Do you see what I'm saying? That's not a that's not an axiom that is universally true that like, well, if the game lasts longer, you got more bang for your buck. There's more to the qualitative value exchange on purchasing a game than just how long the game lasts. There's enjoyment factor, fun factor, like a sense of accomplishment, which from software games certainly bring that, but just because the gameplay lasts a little bit shorter because I consulted a wiki or a guide or something doesn't mean I somehow got less value out of the game. Maybe I got more value out of the game because instead of piddling away 10 hours in some room, I got to get through it quickly because I didn't really care for it. Does that make sense? You can respec early as heck in the chapel. Uh, you get the respec currency from PvP or just farming the dark. No, if it costs a currency, no, I don't know. That 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 nullifies the fact that you can do it. Um, five respecs per playthrough, but easy glitch. No, I I don't agree with that. If you're not gonna really outline how it works and I'm expected to do trial and error, then I should be in a much better position to respec, right? You're more smart about the game by your own experience instead of saving that experience by using a wiki. I'm not defending the idea of running to a wiki, but when a game is incredibly withholding, I'll give you an example. So Sekiro didn't do a good job explaining the the system of like health relationship to parry to, to um, health and posture, the relationship between the two. The tutorial pops up, it's not timely, it's not related to what I'm about to go do, and it honestly doesn't make any sense. And another person who didn't work on the game can use less than 200 characters in a YouTube chat and make more sense of it. There are some enemies where they won't suffer lots of posture damage until you whittle their vitality down, and vice versa, right? And then when someone says, just hit her until she parries, right like those are those are insights and basics that the game like didn't explain well so i'm not saying go consult a wiki 
the minute you get into a game. I think at, at one level, yes, you do rob yourself a sense of mystery, discovery, and a sense of achievement when from moment one, you're like flipping through the wiki like right next to you. You like know where to go, where every secret is, where every nook and cranny is. And that I think is 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 an issue, okay? However, however, I do think that certain games make it to where you're like, this is so dumb. If I could just figure out some of the basics, then I could probably enjoy myself, right? Wait, what? I never knew that. Yeah, I, I, I would wager. I would. I'd be very, very curious to like do a poll of Sekiro players and be like, how many of you knew uh, on your first playthrough that if you whittled somebody's health down, they would take more posture damage? How, how many of you knew that some enemies, if you whittle their vitality down, then uh, they take less posture da- Or what's the, what's the issue with Madam Butterfly? You don't want to take her vitality down, right? Because when you take her vitality down, it does something to her posture. It makes it recover quicker, or it makes her taste less, less posture damage or something. I think it's that she recovers her posture quicker when she's low health. Is that what she does? I can't remember now. You figure it out by playing the game. Oh, for frick's sake. If, if it's the fundamentals of combat, right? If it's the fundamentals of combat and you don't explain it, I, I, I don't think that that's like what I'm supposed to discover, right? You don't need to take her vitality down. She's so weak to posture, it's pointless. There's a pop-up for it with the tutorial guy. Right, and I remember when I read it, it didn't make sense. It's not as clear and it's not relevant to what you're doing at that point in time. Listen, there's listen, I think the problem here is people are equating looking at a wiki with like reading a how-to on how to beat a boss. I am not doing that or advocating for that. I haven't done that with any of my Dark Souls 3 or my Sekiro gameplays. I have not read guides on how to fight the bosses. I like to learn it on my own, okay? Now, at the very beginning of the game, if it would have had a very basic tutorial to say, hey, this is a fundamental nature to combat in this game, right? There's a fundamental nature to it. So be aware that some enemies, you're going to want to whittle their vitality down first before trying to attack their posture. You know, two sentences to explain it, right? That would have been all well and good. That's all I needed. I needed like one or two sentences clearly expounding upon it and then let me put it into practice like if you're going to put it in the game at least like in the very next breath be like all right try it out on this guy right and then that's all i needed i didn't need a guide on how to fight each boss i didn't need tips on what to do i didn't need any of that you do that and then guess what i would have gotten in certain encounters and been like i'm not doing any posture damage to the guy well let me start trying to hurt his vitality now I have that framework, I have that schema, I have the ability to problem solve. Like, you can't problem solve if you don't have the basic tools for observation. If you're playing a fighting game, you should learn how to block while playing and never being shown it's a thing. I, I don't think that's an equivalency to what I'm saying. I don't. If you play a fighting game and you go through a tutorial, and there's a method of you know, uh, block exhaustion. If you block too many times in a row, you're going to get block exhaustion and then you'll be stunned. And they explain that to you. You're like, okay, cool. But if they don't explain that to you, you wouldn't understand what's going on. You'd be like, I don't understand. Why am I randomly getting stunned? 
well you blocked too many attacks in a row there's no meter there's nothing that flashes you just have to know that after like five or six blocks you're gonna get posture stunned you might think is the enemy doing it to me do they have a special attack am i doing something wrong am i messing up the timing no it's something fundamental to the combat that wasn't explained to you and even though you're watching it and playing it you might not have the tools to discern what in the frick's going on i don't know what's happening i just keep getting stunned right iris jack renewing their membership and doing a tier two welcome back thank you so much if you guys are new and enjoying the show be sure to hit subscribe we have departed from the new world topic nobody gave a frick uh, <laughs> uh, I'd love to meet somebody who figured out how to get the Nameless King area in Dark Souls 3 without any guidance. I guarantee there's not a single person here, right? Actually, that's untrue. They show you blocking and teach you about lows, mids, and overheads fighting game tutorials. That's what I'm saying, Kaganeko, exactly. Like, the average game teaches you about the basics of combat. The floor tiles teach you how to fight? The floor tiles... I used to love buying those big hardcover book guides. Uh, it used to get me so hyped when I bought a game. Right? Right? Uh, no way you would assume that since it's all, it's most in most normal games it would just be equal running out of stamina. But if there's no stamina bar, you might not understand it. Like there's no stamina bar in, uh, in Sekiro. Right? You can run around like an idiot just running around. You know, some of the bosses, you can literally run around and they'll never touch you because you, you have infinite stamina, alright? And if you do that, you and all of a sudden you ran out of stamina, you would be confused. You'd be like, well, there's, no, there's no stamina bar, you know what I mean? Every time I join your debate channel, you're getting worked up. Must be exhausting, but love the content. It's not exhausting for me. I actually love debate. It's a little it's a little uh, condescending to say I'm getting worked up like I'm a child having a bit of a tantrum. I'm having an intelligent discussion and debate where I get passionate. Getting worked up sounds kind of negative, doesn't it? <laughs> like I'm not getting worked up like come on guys like <laughs> I'm I'm having a discussion. That's literally what we do here. Um let me, yeah, let me read this. Let me read this. Is this the deflection one? No, 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 no. That, that's not something, Ashton, I made a bad example. I was just making an example in a fighting game. I made up a mechanic. They did explain deflection well in the game. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, in Sekiro, the issue, right, of the differences between like why is this enemy not taking any posture damage that's what I'm talking about if they would have explained that there are early there are early moments in the game that would have made way more sense and I would have not had that early game frustration once I got past Madam Butterfly I think I was good to go until I think I was pretty good to go until the second phase of um of uh, Genichiro. His second phase irritated me. Uh, a shinobi aims to break an opponent's posture, attacking uh, an enemy in one way to achieve this. When an enemy's posture breaks, they're vulnerable to a death blow. No, it's a different one. It's a different one. 
there's a different one that explains because when Eugene explained it to me he was like some some enemies you're going to sit there and attack their posture and you're going to get nowhere and I was like why and he was like because you have to hurt their vitality first and I'm like why the frick didn't the game explain that to me right and somebody said oh it did and I was like when I think it's a tutorial that pops up before you fight Madam Butterfly which is odd because that's not necessarily true about her you don't need to attack her vitality unless it's giving you two options there and you're supposed to figure out which one she is and clearly you don't have to attack her vitality you just play aggressive on her and then you just stay on top of her and you bust her posture if you're tuning in for the new world update we're a little bit off the rails talking Sekiro from software games games genuine difficulty when they don't explain things to you if you want information about the new world update they're adding things to the PTR mutations details about the mutations and umbral shard equipment upgrade system so if you're interested in new world gameplay or the new world update feel free to subscribe and ask questions in chat I can't stay on the subject if no one's talking about it though we about an hour in we just we jumped clean off of it it wasn't uh the the public and the sub base here seems to have uh, at least for the time being moved on uh, from New World and I've been consistently saying that we need a New World roadmap there apparently is something significant coming in February and we're hoping uh, that 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 brings um, a sense of renewal and in resurgence and in interest because if not there's plenty of other games in February for, us, February for us to play and cover. One of those being Lost Ark, which we will be covering Lost Ark later this afternoon. They released a new trailer, and we want to kind of walk through all the various things they talked about in that trailer uh, because it's looking. I think it's looking very, very promising. So thank you to the new subscriptions. Um, the discussion started because Lono said most people suck at games. Right, like somebody said, why don't they make a skill-based? Thank you, Eugene, for retra- like retracing this arc. I was like, how did we get here? Somebody said, well, why don't they make a skill-based MMO? Because we've been saying that, like, game. We, we got on this subject. Like, I believe it was Kareem that was like, well, Final Fantasy XIV and World of Warcraft and Guild Wars Two are going to be more appealing to casuals, and New World's not appealing to casuals. It's too grindy. I pushed back and said, I think New World is very casual and mid lane player friendly. I think, I think that makes up a portion of their player base. And I also think that the game gets grindy in the late stages, which is something they need to consider. Like, that's exactly why I stopped playing, right? I was like, I'm not leveling. I'm not getting anything done with my play sessions. This is really annoying. I don't want to know life the game just to level up my character. Like, I play games pretty casually. I plan to play a lot of the MMOs we're looking at. I plan to play them pretty casually. Why? Because I think the average person that tunes in and finds my content appealing and finds these types of games appealing are going to be looking for, is there an inroad for casual gameplay? I think Lost Ark, at least initially, had a lot of that early game, very quest-driven, very enjoyable content loop that I found likable in New World as well. Um... Just sub to say that if you're not level 60, how can you comment? <laughs> oh, man. I, I I was gonna respond to you, but I don't care what people like you think. So, you can't even have a skill-based MMO. MMOs are about to gear. If skill is involved, gear isn't required. So, it becomes an action RPG and not an MMO. Well, did you see the rumor that the uh, Knights of the Old Republic remake is going to be going toward, like, action RPG combat? 
and I was like, I told you guys that action style combat will become the norm in these games and I think that's because it's more accessible and more fun so the question becomes can you imagine playing a game with action oriented combat similar to like God of War or or Horizon Forbidden West and it being this big expansive MMO like how fun would that be to maintain that level of combat I think one of the best examples of a game that proves something like this is, is, is possible right is uh, is Destiny because they created such an enjoyable, very solid shooter uh, experience. And if you can create a very good action RPG experience and attach it to a game that goes and goes and goes, I think you're in a great spot. This is one of the reasons that I think Assassin's Creed Valhalla looked into live service and then boom, they're like, we're we're gonna do a live service ongoing game called Assassin's Creed Infinity. Assassin's Creed Infinity will probably be very MMO light. It'll be like, this is kind of like an MMO with the action style and combat of an Assassin's Creed. I bet you it's a huge hit, right? Black Desert Online has action style combat. I'm talking like not style. I mean, literally feeling like an action game. There's elements to Black Desert Online, sure, but I'm talking like like Jedi Fallen Order, God of War, Horizon Forbidden West, that level of action. I think you get that in an MMO, I think it becomes absolutely insane as far as popularity goes. I'd prefer to be combat driven, but have your people uh, killing end bosses naked. I don't know about that. New World lines up with the no lifestyle. They just need to fix the bugs. There is so much more to fix in the game than bugs. They've got to fi- they, they, there's elements to progression that are unenjoyable. The the incredibly narrow end game of like there's like a handful of things to do. Um, yeah, Ashes of Creation. We would hope would really look into being very action oriented so that it it especially building itself in Unreal Five, I think could be a significant win for that. It could be a very very a very very good move toward taking the the MMO genre and just making it again more palatable to the average player Google beats with a $5 tip I think an MMO in the Horizon universe could be awesome different factions could be different tribes raids oh yeah yeah I don't think they're going to do that with Horizon but it could be amazing I'm going to tell you something right now I think one of the most popular MMOs that will ever exist is going to be a Fortnite MMO I think a Fortnite MMORPG, if they build it with action-oriented combat with that engine and that level of customization and, you know, building your own little area and all the different vehicles, weapons, all the different character skins and models, I think it could be the most popular MMO ever. I really and truly do. I I think it could be an absolute smash hit Um, because it would be so approachable. You could play it literally everywhere. We know that, like mobile MMO games are becoming popular um, I'm telling you don't discount Fortnite in the MMO world don't do it don't because I and, and don't act like it couldn't be fun just because it's Fortnite the graphics are are not are not all that matters you, you gotta know that you, you gotta know that that it could be I, I think it's still I think it stands to be potentially one of the most popular MMOs. I, I, to this day, believe they're building one. I really and truly do. I think the Fortnite Battle Royale has been their testing ground for it. I've outlined this theory many, many times. Um, 
because of the way they've tested mech suits and planes and vehicles and uh, different build structures uh, and all the skins on the weapons um, and all of the all of the all of the character designs, it could be it could be insane. It really really could. And with Unreal Five and the giant huge open world with dungeons and world bosses think of the world events and the live events that they've done where like the big Voltron teddy bear was like attacking the monster imagine having world boss events like that and moments in the game like that it, it, I'm not kidding you I, I, I genuinely think that a Fortnite MMO could be could be monumental and it could be tectonic in the industry right Save the world could have been good, but it was too unidimensional. Yeah, like you said, it got repetitive. What's good, Abe? I I don't know. I, I don't think Save the World had a lot of legs. I think it had potential, but they they took it in a really weird. They didn't take it in a weird direction. They took it in a direction that I think just didn't give it a lot of uh, growth opportunity. I'm not sure if an MMO will ever beat WoW's peak consistent numbers in its prime, but I could see one of that peaking over and then dropping off. I think WoW's peak will be beat in the next 10 years because PC gaming is growing at such an astronomical rate. Beyond that, you've got you've got the MMO genre becoming something that people who traditionally didn't play MMOs are more open to them now. So I, I don't think WoW's um, peak numbers are like eternally protected. I don't. This is one of the reasons I've made predictions about games like Fortnite, because I do. I think a game like that, that already has this massive established brand, suddenly being like, hey, we launched an MMORPG, it it would be insane. It would absolutely be insane. It's beaten the East many times over. Yeah, I would imagine. I would imagine. Um, WoW will beat when the very good VR MMO comes out. Right. Riot, to me, has the most intriguing dev cycle to produce a very powerful MMO. Whatever and however they approach it, I hope it's good. I, I wouldn't discount Riot either. I think that's I think that's a good word. Somebody else brought up Riot a little bit ago before you said that, Proto. It might have been you. I, yeah, I think Riot could build a very good MMO as well. An MMO would only beat WoW's historical numbers if it was on console too. If it's on PC only, there's no chance. I don't know. PC The PC landscape dwarfs absolutely the the console absolutely um you owe us a head shave from this friday night clip by the way i'm yankee nine <laughs> yeah 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 i i won't be doing that sorry you can't hold me to anything i say on a friday night they're developing an mmo in the league of legends universe i think oh well there you go there you go there may be too much competition I mean, certainly that's one of the reasons why it might be uh, difficult to to reach the level that WoW hit. Is everyone releasing an MMO now? One of my predictions for 2022 on our other channel, on the updates channel, I said, look, I said, I I think we're about to enter the era of lots of MMOs launching. I think more and more games are going to take the live service ongoing game MMO approach. There's a lot of different ways to approach this. It doesn't necessarily have to be an MMORPG, but very much, very much, I believe this is going to become a trend. Yes. Uh, Give me your thoughts on King Sue. Honestly, I'm surprised you liked it. I, I really liked it. I had two of them on Saturday night hanging out with my wife. And we were watching, uh, what were we watching? Downton Abbey. And I was, I was feeling pretty good. <laughs> They're tasty. They're tasty. It doesn't taste like a, it doesn't taste like it's going to kick. 
but it's it's it does it's very very good and that mango one that somebody turned me on to that's god that's a good one too if an mmo fortnite was on mobile it would kill everything console markets nothing a fortnite mmo would be on mobile it would be on every console okay switch xbox playstation and like all generations of the console by the way they got it to run consistently optimized on those old systems and then pc i'm telling you man do not do not ignore fortnite in the mmo landscape i believe one's coming i truly do i think those leaks about their rpg limited time event mode no i think that's tied to something far bigger than a limited time mode you write that down put that on your refrigerator doubt nabby love that show finished it uh we rented the movie after christmas can't wait for the next movie I liked it. I've liked it way more than I thought I would. I think I like it more than my... I might like it more than my wife does. I like it quite a bit. Most of these companies and current IPs don't need to try MMOs. It needs to be a new IPs meant to be MMOs. Um, uh, Did you see the Destiny streamer who people are trying to cancel now? I don't pay any attention to that community, homie. I don't. I'm systematically purging them from my Twitter timeline. I don't want to see or hear from any of them. I don't... I, I genuinely don't pay attention to any of them or that game anymore. And I feel like a new person because of that. <laughs> just isn't point. It's just pointless. It's a... Um, I was watching another lecture by Jordan Peterson and he said that usually when the entire structure of a community or a company comes crashing down he says it's because it started with little small allowances where good people didn't stand up to uh, to minor cor- elements of corruption uh, and minor elements of, uh, of in this case toxicity and I believe that we are witnessing that structure community and, and how it was built just continues to crumble and cave in on itself um so yeah yeah i i don't i don't care about that game or company or community anymore because it's a system and entrenched in so much toxicity it's snapping back on itself because there's just rampant dishonesty and disgustingness and covered up misconduct and backbiting and lying and it it's it's just crashing in on itself. So I've just systematically purged it from, I don't even, I can't even see, I, I, I'm literally just blocking people, not in a malicious way. It's just like, I don't want to see you or your content. I have no desire to see any of this crap. I just, you're, you're unworthy of my attention. So, um, what were we talking about? Yeah. MMOs, MMOs. So, so somebody says, oh, it needs to be a brand new IP rather than an existing IP trying to be an MMO. Okay. One of the challenges there is if you're going to try and be a brand new IP MMO, right? Like, you have to be amazing. You have to be excellent. Like, look at how quickly New World kind of had its rise. And I'm going to say fall in a generic way. I don't think the game has had its rise and fall. I think it's it's long for this world. I think it's it's got a long life ahead of itself. But New World had its rise and fall. Why? Well, it had to it had to prove itself. And established MMO players were like, no, no, there's not enough here, right? And so 
if you use an established brand, like let's take my prediction and let's just play with it for a little while, that Fortnite launches an MMORPG, all right? Think about what Fortnite could do with this, by the way. It's freaking brilliant. So look at the way they've titled Save the World and Battle Royale. What have they done? What have they done? Oh, this is brilliant, because I I think they could do so much with this. And then it would make me look like a really smart person. So it would be like, Fortnite, Save the World. Fortnite, Battle Royale. Fortnite, MMORPG. Just increasing the brand while diversifying the products that are offered. Just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Imagine just continuing to do that long term. I don't know what else they would do. I don't know what else, you know, sort of a game genre would fit underneath of that, but that would be incredible. And then it would just be a matter of like, like think about, see, maybe even taking a page out of the Call of Duty book. So you have like the Call of Duty banner and then underneath it, you can install all these different things. Oh, you want to play Warzone? Here you go. Oh, you want to play Vanguard? Oh, here you go. Everything we read about the Modern Warfare 2 leaks, it's going to be like Tarkov, right? And a tactical open world shooter. So Call of Duty doing a similar thing, right? You have the banner of Call of Duty, and then underneath it, you have all these sort of siloed experiences that are robust and they're their own thing. Now, we can talk about the state of Call of Duty. I don't want to do that. So that, you know, they've got their own issues with CDL calling them out on map design and and Nadeshot calling out Activision for a lack of support and, you know, Doc and other streamers talking about how bad Caldera is. They'd rather play Call of Duty mobile. That's messy and I don't want to get into that. Just from pure business strategy, though, I could see Fortnite doing the exact same thing. Fortnite MMORPG, you know, Fortnite Dungeon Crawler, because if you take that game and you go like this with the camera and you zoom out and you put people in a dungeon crawler, you've got the loot systems, you've got the animations, you've got all the magic and all the goofy things, and you've got the characters and everything else, like... I'll give you a good example of this. In uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising, Immortals Phoenix Rising had a DLC that literally turned the game into a dungeon crawler. And it was awesome! It was so, it was actually very good. It was obviously very different than, than the experience that you had leading up to that. But they took the combat of Immortals Phoenix Rising and shoved it into an isometric sort of... It's not really isometric, whatever. Uh, and, you know, an isometric uh, uh, dungeon crawler. And it worked. It actually worked. So you might start to see companies doing this, like using their existing banner and sort of their existing name and just adding these like silos of content underneath. Marvel Hero style ARPG I could see. Yeah. Yep. And and the thing is, is that people might say, well, you're going to really, really dilute your brand. Not necessarily. Okay, and here's why. For example, let's say they do this and the MMORPG crowd descends upon a Fortnite MMORPG. They just descend on it and it's a hit and it's awesome and it's getting praised. You know, everybody's like, I am so surprised. If you had told me 10 years ago or five years ago, I'd be playing a Fortnite MMORPG, I'd have laughed at you. And you'll have all these great headlines and it's doing amazing. 
what would end up happening is, is you would end up with that community being somewhat very different than the Battle Royale community. Because the, the average player booting up and playing Fortnite Battle Royale is going to consider trying out the MMORPG, and they might, and so you'd have crossover. But largely, I think these communities would have, would have minimal overlap. They would. The bulk of the people playing the MMORPG would be MMORPG fans, and and the bulk of the people playing Battle Royale would be existing or new fans to BR or new to, to, to Fortnite's BR, right? So that's that's how I would see it existing in like, okay, this, this, this can work. Then the question becomes, what about games like Assassin's Creed and their plans with Assassin's Creed Infinity. Well, what do you do there, right? By the way, if you're tuning in for the New World update, uh, they did some changes to the New World PTR. It launched on January the 6th. New World gameplay, getting some significant changes with uh, mutators in expeditions, the Umbral Shard equipment upgrade system. We walked through that all already. If you clicked on this and you're like, why are they talking about MMORPGs? Well, New World's an MMORPG, so I guess it kind of tracks with the, the, the genre of the game you might have clicked on. Just so you know, we do variety gaming news coverage all throughout the week, and this, this morning's subject didn't last very long, so we've kind of moved on to a broader subject that touches on New World, but is a little bit different. If you're enjoying the show, remember to hit subscribe and the bell button. Uh, I'm a safer work broadcaster. You can subscribe in confidence. I'll be in your sub feed all week long. Uh, you know, you don't got to worry about the language I use. A lot of people throw me on in the background like video game radio. Riot is going to kill it with a league MMO, and I despise the MOBA. That's a great, great pivot there. So, yes, Riot offering an MMORPG. You know what game I have literally never played? League of Legends. I'll probably check out their MMO, right? Uh, there's probably tons of MMORPG fans that'll check out Riot's MMORPG, and they probably never touched a MOBA or they've never touched League, or they did and they don't like it. And so the groundswell of people that, that, that go into that game and support that game and end up being fans of, of Riot's MMORPG would likely be people that are fans of MMORPGs and not necessarily people who are fans of League, and then that's where your primary player base would come from. They've been killing it with TFT, Runeterra, and Arcane. Uh, that world is sick. Well, yeah, if the world and the characters are interesting, then that's all you really need for people to want to dive into a, you know, any kind of an RPG, whether it's an MMO or an action RPG. Having an interesting world and characters is extremely important. This is one of my concerns with Forspoken. I worry that Forspoken's focus so much on being a tech demo that the story and the substance in the world's going to suffer. League is scary because people are very mean to noobs in that game. Yeah, well, I mean, you you don't need to play a game that's that long standing. What what's the point, right? I mean, why would you, you know, why would you bother? I, you know, it's it's been it's been out for so long. I, even if they were really really kind, it'd be it'd be tough. It'd be really really tough to get in and enjoy it and and know what in the world you're doing. Um, Murph says I've been playing a lot of Starbound instead of Destiny. It's liberating. Uh, I went on D2 for a small vault cleaning and logged off. I was like, this game just doesn't have any pull anymore. Yeah, yeah. They also have Valorant and a fighting game on the way. Yeah, that's another good example. Like, so, Riot got into the, you know, tactical shooter. And that is a... That's a tough market to get into because of CSGO, you know. And they were able to do it. And... 
now now understand something valorant was a whole new ip so it's not like they made a league of legends uh tactical shooter right they um they made a whole new ip so my predictions with fortnite doing an mmorpg is is based on a lot of things it's 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 based on the fact that like they've done so many things with the battle royale that don't make sense if it's only for the battle royale they have done too many things in the br for it to be like well that was fun throw that in the bin right thank the kiddos thanks for my nft and the roast thanks fuzzy (laughs) uh Everybody's saying that my kids' drawings that come with the coffee, we should turn those into NFTs. I'm like, oh my word. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, <clears throat> that's every community. Yeah, yeah. In, in general, that is true. A lot of communities go through that, right? <clears throat> the last thing we need is more Fortnite content. What's wrong with Fortnite being successful or having more Fortnite content? What would be wrong with, in the industry... A super successful, beloved, and popular Fortnite MMORPG. What what would be the issue with that? Why would that be bad for the why would that be bad? Right? Because you don't like it? Because you don't like Fortnite? Like why would that be not good? You know? You don't see Fortnite anymore? I mean it's still a super popular BR. If you're just tuning in for the New World update. We've shifted gears a little bit more to MMORPGs and why I believe there'll be more of them coming and why I think that the um, the possibility of a Fortnite MMORPG is pretty significant. Uh, I look at all the things they've ever added. Let's just take mech suits for an ex- as an example. Mech suits were not added to the game of Fortnite just for the fun of it. To me, they were clearly testing them for something. Same with the planes, right? Like, the, the planes in Fortnite and the mech suits, to me, there there was too much that went into the design and the execution of them to purely be something that you're like, well, we're done with that now, and you throw it away. That's, that's why I think they have bigger plans than just a BR. It's the way they do the collabs. Let's take Naruto, for example. I'm being biased, but it's just so gross to see those characters doing TikTok dances. Shake my head. Okay, let's take that as an example. Let's say you really, really like a certain IP. You know, uh, like I really like Deadpool. And seeing Deadpool in Fortnite, you know, and they sold Deadpool skins. I don't necessarily have a problem with that because that generates a ton of money for any Deadpool properties or any Deadpool things creates greater interest in Deadpool, right? I'll give you an example of one where I kind of have to like get over it, and this is how I got over it. Genshin Impact added an Aloy skin, and I'm a huge right there you go, right? Horizon Zero Dawn uh, displayed back there. Huge Horizon fan and r- really really think it's a great game and was pretty disappointed to see Aloy land in Genshin Impact. 
But the reality is, is that probably provided a ton of money to Guerrilla, which helps with the development of the next game, which likely helps them become a profitable intellectual piece of property, both in Aloy and in Horizon Zero Dawn and Forbidden West as pieces of property. And that kind of money is good for them. So as as annoying as it was to see Aloy show up in a gotcha game, it was like, well, that probably generated a junk ton of money for the developers and for the property of of Horizon and Aloy. So, I'll agree with that, seeing Kratos flossing in Fortnite hurt. I I don't understand why that matters, though. Who cares? You're angry at the wrong person for your favorite character showing up in Fortnite. That's true. (laughs) That's actually a well-made point, Eugene. If you don't like your favorite character ending up in a game like that, getting mad at Fortnite is really not the right person to be mad at. You should be mad at the rights holders. Aloy isn't doing those dumb dances in Genshin. Yeah, but a dance in a video game isn't the same as what we would consider to be probably like bad, um... What we would consider to be like a bad sort of, uh... A bad game type, like gotcha games are like a bad game type in the industry. <laughs> That's not as bad as somebody doing the floss. You know what I mean? I'm good, uh, at Zetsu. Thanks for asking. She was free though. I don't know how much they made money. I'm sure they had to pay for it. Right? I'm sure. I'm sure they had to pay for it to use to use her. That's an annoyingly healthy and balanced view. Stop it. I want more yelling. Epic made a pretty killer ARPG on mobile called Infinity Blade. I trust them to make a nice MMO. Oh, really? Huh. It'd be different if Kratos was dancing in a God of War game. Right, right. It sounds like nerds shouting from the side, it's not canon. Who cares if the character ends up in Fortnite? It's not canon or even the actual character. It's a skin. Well, what's funny is when Sony was being sort of weird about crossplay and not letting people like carry their carry their characters uh, over to um, to another to another like platform when like the Nintendo Switch didn't allow for that. Um, there uh, there was a pretty clear divide. There It was like, well, I got all these skins and all these things on my Sony, and I can't take them with me. And I remember at the time saying, Sony. You, you really should be having a better relationship with Epic because you could be setting up skins in the store that you'd be getting a royalty share. And I gave the example. I said, imagine somebody on an Xbox or a Nintendo Switch buying a Kratos skin and you're now getting money from a marketplace that ordinarily wouldn't be spending any money on the Sony marketplace because they're on their Nintendo Switch or their mobile or their Xbox buying a Kratos skin and then you'd be getting a, a royalty share from that. Well, fast forward, we find out that they actually charged Epic to do cross-play, and now they have skins in the game that they are likely getting a royalty share from. Now the question becomes, does Sony get a royalty share if a Kratos skin sells, or do the developers? I would imagine Sony probably gets some of it. And there's also, wasn't there, was there an Aloy skin in Fortnite as well? I think they did one. Or am I just thinking of Genshin? Have they done an Aloy skin in Fortnite yet? They might do one next month to really promote the new game. We're emotionally invested in the character, says Zubair. We feel a sense of ownership, so we don't want the character portrayed in ways that clashes with our internal view of the character. I get that. I do. Aloy's in Genshin. I know she's in Genshin, but have they added her to Fortnite yet? 
The question is, when does it stop? I don't think we're too far off from seeing Fortnite X Bible collab. Can't wait to see Jesus hitting uh, and and re- uh, <laughs> and renegating on my dead Fortnite characters. Listen, if if they want to if they want to put our Lord and Savior in in Fortnite, I you know that's fine. Now, obviously, you know we're not sure we're not sure if that would be you know <laughs> in the current cultural climate would that be a good idea and would it be accepted? Probably not. I I don't think so. But I definitely think you're going to see more and more movie characters, comic characters. Uh, you'll see. Um, You'll see uh, other video game characters. Yeah, I, I definitely think that you would you would see that in there. Why does one fictional character deserve protection over another? Um, whoa! Oh, so you mean like it's okay for them to put like Deadpool in, but not? Oh, that's bait. Oh, frick you, Eugene! <laughs> frick you, Eugene! <laughs> Eugene's like I'm gonna make the Christians mad. <laughs> <laughs> You're an a-hole. Honestly, I'd like a Fortnite MMO. Uh, I'm bored with most MMOs being a typical sword and shield, olden days style. It would certainly, it would certainly attract a different audience just by its appearance alone, for sure. Uh, the spy who swags, for sure. Pokemon coming, uh, Pokemon skin coming soon to Fortnite. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, Pokemon will have a skin in there uh, pretty soon. Yeah, I'm sure she'll be okay if everybody steals it as well. That that I'm sure she'd be fine with that. <laughs> uh, I can't wait to see uh, Jason and Michael shoot it out. The Predator skin was the best they had. Yeah, the Predator has shown up in a lot of games recently. Did they did something in another game where the Predator showed up? Was that um, what was that Call of Duty where he showed up or something? Um, and then Sam Fisher showed up in something recently, Rainbow Six or Ghost Re- no, it's Ghost Recon, I think. Um. <clears throat> uh, it says right above, it's based on your recent search history. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what are you searching about with Fortnite, you know what I mean? Um, when is Lono joining the MasterChef stream gang? Like Tim the Tapman said, dude, I stream on YouTube. We can't do that over here. We have a website that's run like a professional live streaming, you know, business and not a not a frat house. So we can't we we, we can't do that over here. Oh, they also did Predator and Ghost Recon. Wow. Call of Duty and Ghost Recon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something that I don't think I ever like had the foresight to see that you would bring like old you know, 90s movies, you know, uh, enemies and characters and things into video games uh, today. That's a, that's a bizarre one that I wasn't expecting. Um, that one's definitely different. It's definitely a different one. Um, mm. <laughs> People are enjoying my tweet from my daughter this morning. It was adorable. It was so adorable. So we, her and I have a ritual. I'll be making the coffee... And, um, and she sets an alarm. She's eight years old, by the way. And she sets an alarm because she wants to get up in the morning and have time to herself before school starts. Uh, my wife homeschools her. And so she gets up in the morning. She opens her blinds so she can look outside. And she puts on an audiobook. She's like this little like Jane Austen romantic character from some book. You know what I mean? Like getting up at dawn to watch the sunrise and listen to listen to a story 
at eight years old. So she's got her own little morning rituals. She used to go out into the sunroom and open a window and sit and do this, but it's too cold now. And so we have a little ritual where she will come into the the kitchen because she can hear me, you know, making the coffee. She comes out, gives me a hug and a kiss, and, you know, I ask her how she slept. She asks me how I slept and, you know, give her a little squeeze. And so she comes out this morning and she says, give me coffee, you know, give me some coffee. I'm a teenager. This is like a new thing with her. She wants to know when she can do something. And she understands that a lot of the things she's going to get to do, she's going to get to do them when she is a teenager. So she does this thing where she's like, let me watch the Doctor Strange movie. I'm a teenager. So she comes out and she says, you know, let me, let me have some coffee or give me coffee. I'm a teenager. And I was like, you're no, no, no. I was like, you're still my little girl. And she says, I'll always be your little girl, which is just obviously heartwarming for her to say. She says, even when I'm 20 and, and my children struggle with being too literal. So we will make statements or comments and they take them literally. And she did it again this morning in, 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 in an adorable fashion. So she says, you know, I'll always be your little girl, even when I'm 20. And I say, I'll hold you to that. And she says, you better still hold me when I'm 20. (laughs) So even in her literalness, she was adorable and cute. And I was like, well, this is just the sweetest thing ever. I got to share this. This is so sweet and kind the way that she thought this through. And, but that's how, that's how she thinks. She thinks you use these terms and these phrases and, uh, she, she uses she like she thought it literally like i'll hold you to that she's like well you better hold me right so she's very very literal (laughs) she's very literal um she said something the other day she said the future holds that i was like well that's such an interesting way to phrase it it's true yes we don't know she's like we don't know if that's gonna happen papa she's like the future holds that i was like where did you pick that expression up she's like well i got it from you and what I said to her, she was asking about something and she gets she gets very anxious about things. And so what I'm trying to do is root her in the present because anxiety is just a fear of the unknown and fear of the unknown is healthy, but over overstated and overemphasized can lead to paralyzing anxiety. So I try to ground her in the present and I'll say things like that. We don't know what the future holds is, the, is, a, is an expression I've used with her. Don't think about that right now. Think about the good things that happened today and how fun it was. And then think about three good things you're going to get to do tomorrow. Don't worry about what might happen or what bad things might befall you. Don't be downcast. You know, don't be forlorn about the future. Think about the good things that you're going to be able to do. You're going to, you're going to choose to do good things and fun things tomorrow. So I I try to ground her in the present while also giving her like a hopeful optimism about the next day, planning her day out. And so I say things like that to her, like, we don't know what the future holds. So now she says things like that. She's like, well, the future holds that. (laughs) And I'm like, that's exactly right. The future holds that. We do not hold that in our hands right at this moment. We don't know uh, what is around the corner. So it's a little, this little literal romantic. She's so literal (laughs) and she's such a romantic to get up early in the morning and want to listen to stories and watch the sunrise. Um, <laughs> and the one day she said, Papa, I had an extraordinary idea. Was, really? An extraordinary idea. <laughs> Have you been reading Jane Austen books? What is this? <laughs> uh, kids don't understand riddles. She's got a book of jokes that she's been really enjoying and it's cool to see the gears turning as it clicks about why something is funny so she'll because she's learning to read so she'll read the joke to herself and think oh this is a good one 
I'll see the little gears turning in her head as she's reading it, and then it clicks, her little face lights up, and then she wants to say it to me, so she's had some some pretty good ones, you know, what do gnomes do when they get home from school? Gnome work, you know, that's one of her favorite ones uh, from recently. (laughs) She She likes that one. Yeah, splendid, splendidly perfect. No, 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 no. It wasn't splendidly perfect. It, what, what was the line from that that show? Perfectly splendid. You got, you reversed it. Perfectly splendid, I believe, is what she said in that scary show. My biggest helper for anxiety is trust yourself to handle it. You've handled everything that's happened before. You can absolutely deal with anything that happens. Right, right. And if you can't handle it, you've got people to help you through it. Usually, right? Like you're you're equipped. You're equipped to handle the future. You're equipped to handle the future. Um, my first kid's due in July, low-key terrified. Good. Good. Yeah. That fear means it matters to you. It'd be weird if you weren't scared. <laughs> It'd be very weird if you weren't scared. Yeah, first kid's gonna be born in about a month, and yeah, I, I don't really care. <laughs> like, that'd be that'd be more worrying than fear. The fear is, is, is a healthy thing. Um, we have not sold any coffee yet today. Who wants to be the first coffee sale? Speaking of, speaking of the family and the kiddos... Uh, if you've not tried our coffee yet, it's actually something that we own and sell ourselves and my wife and kiddos bag it up for you. Weather is cleared up, so they, uh, they should be, they should be able to ship pretty quickly to you if you order it, uh, today. The ones ordered last week had a slight delay. We apologize for that. We kind of got a little bit snowed in. I didn't want my wife and kiddos going out in it to drop off coffee. So I have two kids and I'm still terrified. Yeah. Yeah. My biggest help for anxiety is alcohol. So much alcohol. Now that's not healthy. No. Uh, we're pushing three percent wholesome. Prepare to eject. Quick! Somebody say Zelda games are for children. <laughs> Can I gift a coffee? No, you cannot. No, you can't gift a coffee. That's not something that we have the ability to do yet. Um, we, because you'd have to, you'd have to like reach out to somebody, get their shipping information, and then punch it through. I I don't know what it would do with the approval process if you had a shipping address and your billing address being dramatically different. I I, I think it would still go through and still work. Again, I I, I think so. Um, It's hard to know. So, it's dry January. You know, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I know a lot of people are. I've seen I've seen people tweeting about it. Uh, I've seen people tweeting about it, but I've uh, yeah, I'm not doing that. Um, man, I'm getting so many emails and press releases about NFTs. Everybody's trying to get into it. I didn't know if there was a way. We've had people ask two questions about the coffee. Can I do a subscription? Or can I gift it to somebody else? We, we just don't have the ability to do that. Now, we're hoping YouTube's supposed to be adding features and doing different things. Um, and, you know, we're, we're excited about that. And one of the things that's supposed to be coming is gifted memberships. And so we are obviously, uh, you know, hopeful that that becomes a reality. Uh, if you haven't hit the like button or the subscribe button this morning, uh, be sure to do that. Um, it, it, it seemed like we... Um, some weird YouTube's been doing some weird stuff. Uh, over, like yesterday, we had like a big change in the sub count, and then it just happened again this morning. So I don't know what exactly YouTube's getting ready to, to, to push out. It 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 does feel like they are fiddling with some stuff in the back end, 
and we're hoping that that means they're preparing for things on the front end. We really would like the live, uh, we would like the live streaming environment uh, to dramatically uh, improve. It has certainly gotten better, but it has, a, it has, in in my opinion, and in, in the opinion of many of the people that watch every day, it still has a, a, a long way to go. And so we know they have big plans this year. Uh, for live streaming and we've been having a great time here on this channel we recently hit 10,000 subscribers Uh, we're at like a 450 paying members inching our way to 500 paying members and so we appreciate everybody uh, who has been maintaining their subs here and then we have a a, I'm scheduling the stream right now for the afternoon Uh, we'll be doing a second uh, second talk show today about Lost Ark Um, I bet Lost Ark releases early before the end of the month well, that I don't think so. No, they already bumped it back. I, I don't agree with you. Um, they already bumped back the launch date once. I don't see them doing it again um, for a variety of reasons. Um, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of reason to do that. Uh, they were originally they were originally going to be launching uh, the game in March, and they backed it up to like uh, February 11th. Um, and so... Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I don't, I don't think so. That would be really weird to like use the game awards to be like, hey, you know, new, new, new launch date, free to play, blah, 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 get everybody excited. And then, and then all of a sudden change the launch date again. Have you considered gift certificates? I'd have to have Creature look into that. That's not my world. Like the the creating a storefront and processing payments and all of that. Like I, I yeah, we'd have to figure out a way to uh, to for somebody to be able to buy a gift certificate to our store and then give that code to somebody uh, of their choosing. It comes out February 11th, but I think their tweet it will drop before that date. I bet you they do early access for founders decrew seeds i'm going to modify your prediction and think that it's not necessarily out of out of out of left field but i don't think they're just going to suddenly release the game early i think they'll let founders have like a week of early access so you know the 11th of february uh lands on a friday so i could see february the 4th being early access for uh oh there is early access for founders what isn't it i thought it was the 8th so they're already doing early access for founders. I thought I read that somewhere. Is it the eighth? I have that date in my head for some reason. That because uh, I believe I'm a founder. That's how I played it during the beta. That's how I played. Um, founders get it February the eighth. Okay, so no, that date's in my head for a reason. Well, then that answers that question. There doesn't seem to be. Uh, a reason for them to suddenly change all those dates because if they suddenly dropped it earlier you'd undercut all those founders that were like oh hey I'm going to be able to get the game early like well what no why like what, you'll have to move that date as well um, we're getting a 14% suggest today that's amazing even though we're even though it was a lighter day still getting good treatment on suggest what that's my birthday. That's why it was in your head. That's not your birthday. 
February the 8th is not... No, no, no. Don't you start this this dishonesty in the Discord. You wouldn't remember it. Oh, I'm not going to now, that's for sure. Come in here and spread your lies. (laughs) Your birthday is in July, lady. (laughs) Your birthday is in July. She's making stuff up, chat. She's making stuff up. I'm fine, really, I am. She's standing here laughing. She's... You are a cruel, cruel woman. Uh, I think so as well, says D-Crew. I should rephrase and say Founders Pack will have earlier access than they have right now. Okay, so you think they're going to let Founders in earlier than the 8th. I mean, it's so hard to dispute that. That's just such a random prediction. Um, I don't see... I just don't see a reason to do that. Um... I don't. I don't see a lot of reasons to do that. That's so, so out of left field um, in general. Uh, I could see I could see if they weren't doing... Uh, it's because they made this tweet. Yeah, launch arc on the third or whatever, but that... What, why... What does it have to do with suddenly randomly being like, yeah, we're gonna let the, the founders get in early. I don't know. The whole thing... The whole thing just feels weird based off of one tweet that said launch arc on the third and everyone was like, you're early. What are you doing? And then now everyone's like, oh, they're going to launch it early. I, may, why? You know, I'm just kidding. I wanted to give him a scare for a second. Yeah. Yeah. She's in here. She's in here spreading She's in here spreading, uh, spreading nonsense, chat. Spreading nonsense. Uh. (laughs) Mm. Doesn't madam, uh, doesn't buy madam any jewelry. Doesn't even remember her birthday. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. George says, I'm sorry, it's still broken. The updates are just for you to buy skins. It probably fixes stuff, but it won't fix everything. Uh, it's probably bugs. Something else is out. That said, the devil we know. Wait, George, are you talking about the updates in New World or to sell skins? What are you talking about? You getting any doubt in merchandise this year? No, 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 no. Uh-uh, uh-uh. The earlier, the better. That'll be our poll question when we roll over into our new world. I'm sorry, when we roll over into our Lost Ark stream is, you know, do you do you think they're going to launch it early? I, I just don't think so. I, not even for, maybe for founders. Lost Ark's isometric, that's a hard sell for me. Yeah, yeah, it looks like Diablo. It doesn't, it isn't Diablo and it doesn't play like Diablo, but it looks like Diablo. Like that's what you'll be. You know, if you've if you've ever watched somebody play Diablo, that's 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 you'll be you'll be prepared for what it looks like if you've seen that before. Um, I've only heard Madam make one simple request, and it was for a badger. <laughs> it would help with all the bees. No, we had the yard and the bushes treated, and that helped. Although there was one bush that was just always full of bumblebees, but like the bumblebees are are very they were very docile. They didn't never do anything. Um, they were usually chilling and sleeping. If you're tuning in for the new world update, 
we already combed through it there's a lot of things coming to the PTR in January that will roll over into the main game uh, New World Mutations and then the Umbral Shard equipment upgrade system was outlined as well if you've got questions about that you could rewind to the earlier part of the stream where I read through it all make sure to hit subscribe if you want to talk in the chat <clears throat> we didn't do a poll today we'll do one in the next stream our next stream is going to be about Lost Ark and their latest trailer that outlines a variety of things about the game. There's some things in there that I didn't realize was a, was a part of the game, so we'll make sure and highlight that and talk about that as well. Um, I don't know how you stay in a badgerless marriage. <laughs> oh, man. You guys sent me a stuffed badger. That's good enough. I'll just put it in the backyard. It'll scare them all away. Save the bees. We don't mind the bees. It's the it was the wasps that she was suggesting we get a uh, a badger for. Um, bumblebees leave you alone because they don't mess with anything really. I've had aggressive bumblebees before. They're big and like they you know that you can like hear that the hum of their wings is always so unsettling because it's so loud. And they'll get kind of close to you and they can, they can be kind of aggressive. I don't know if I've ever been bit or stung by a bumblebee. I don't even know if they can sting. They don't have a stinger, so I'm assuming maybe they can bite, but um, maybe it's carpenter bees that look like a bumblebee and are aggressive and can bite. Uh, but it was the wasps that were annoying us. Because the bumblebees are always very docile. They'll be like sleeping on the flowers and, you know, just doing their own thing, you know? <clears throat> what percentage of players do you think Lost Ark will take away from New World? Um... Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I honestly don't know. I, I wouldn't think it would be significant. They're very different games. Um, so I could see it being... Um, I don't know. I, I could see it being something that is noticeable, but not like significantly measurable. Like You'll notice, like, oh, okay, a lot of my friends are going to go check out Lost Ark. But I don't think it's going to be like... Oh man, you know, the, the player base numbers are in a shambles now. Here's the thing you got to remember. A lot of people that are going to check out Lost Ark have already taken a break from New World. You know, me being one of those people. You know, if I can jump into Lost Ark on February the 8th, I ain't going to have a whole lot of reason to be checking out New World. I put in a lot of time in New World off stream just to keep up with what I thought was like the content rhythm that I needed to hit. I don't, you know, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do that again. I'm not. Um, bumblebees don't sting. Carpenter bees appear aggressive, but they're more curious than aggressive. Yeah, they just got right up in your face and stuff. It's like, get out of here. Bumblebees can sting. They have one stinger, and then they die after using it. You're thinking of honeybees. We got to go to Google, because we're getting conflicting reports now. Can bumble bees sting bumblebees rarely sting the chance of being stung by a bumblebee can be reduced by avoiding provoking them or making them aggressive first it's important to be calm when working with bumblebees do not wave your arms bump the hive or touch or hold them um bumblebees unlike honeybees are able to sting multiple times but they are much less likely to sting than hornets yellow jackets and honeybees so they can sting multiple times. I don't think they die. Okay, uh, let's see. Do bumblebees die after they sting? 
Bumblebees and carpenter bees have smooth stingers and are capable of stinging multiple times without dying. When the bee flies away, the stinger is left behind, effectively disemboweling the insect and causing it to die. Honeybee stingers will continue to pump venom into their victim after the bee is gone. Oh yeah, no, they do. They do die. Yeah, it disem- that is graphic to think about. It disembowels them. <laughs> I mean, that's a one way to go out. <laughs> well, I'm going to die from this, but uh, I'm going to disembowel myself, but I'm going to sting you. <laughs> uh, bumblebees hate it when you wave your hands in the air, waving them like you just don't care. And by all means, never raise the roof around bumblebees. That's Abe Abe swinging early in 2022 for worst comment of the year. Um, that's that's really going to help him go go the distance this year in the brackets. Uh, that is a, that is just an awful comment. I think you're confusing carpenter wood bees that don't sting. Yeah, there might be just there might be, but they this one thing said carpenter and bumblebees can both sting. Um, worst defense mechanism ever ever. Yeah, it's like, all right, listen. There's a sword that'll come flying out of my butt and it'll stab you and it'll hurt real bad. But when I walk away, it'll disembowel me and I'll die. <laughs> so I'm warning you, you back up or uh, I'm going to get you with the butt sword. Don't make me use it because I, I got some plans this weekend and I, I you know, I'd, I'd like to not die. But if you keep pushing your luck, buddy, you're going to get the butt sword. <laughs> it disembowels them oh that's terrible (laughs) oh man um (laughs) somebody's English oatcake asked if I gave my daughter the coffee this morning so did she get her coffee (laughs) uh uh, the hive lives on. That's right. <sighs> That's right. You're going to get the butt sword. Say what now? <laughs> uh, mm. Bumblebees don't die after stinging or they wouldn't be able to sting multiple times. No, no, Reese. What it said was they can sting multiple times. But when they fly away, it disembowels them if they leave their stinger behind. I don't think they have a choice. The thing that what we just read was that the bumblebees and this is from Terminix.com. Do bees die after stinging? Bumblebees and carpenter bees have smooth stingers and are capable of stinging multiple times without dying. When the bee flies away, the stinger is left behind, causing it to disembowel itself and die. Oh, wait. Hang on. There's a dot, dot, dot there. Um, bumblebees and carpenters. For honeybees, on the other hand. Oh, 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 oh. It, it, it slammed those two paragraphs together. No, you're right. Bumblebees don't die. It doesn't disembowel them. Google took one sentence and another sentence and made it look like it was one paragraph. And it's not. It's two different paragraphs. For honeybees, on the other hand, stinging is typically fatal. It's because unlike other species, they have barbed stingers. And so when they sting you, it gets left behind. But the smooth stinger of the bumblebee 
doesn't get left behind. So Google tried to grab the text from Terminix and it made it one paragraph and then I gave you bad information. So all of the all of the the bee insect specialists out there are going to come for me in the comment section. You know, actually, uh, the difference between a bumblebee stinger and a honeybee stinger is that one is barbed and one is not. Ergo, the honeybee stinger is left behind, thus disemboweling the honeybee, and the uh, bumblebee is free to fly away, laughing uh, at your multiple sting marks. Good day, sir. <laughs> They're going to get me in the comments about that. All honeybees can keep their stingers. Usually, uh, the bee is swatted off. If you let them move around, the honeybee can remove itself without losing the stinger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who's going to do that? Ow! All right, buddy. Uh, Get out of here. Go on. Stop that. (laughs) No, you're going to be like, ow. You're going to like immediately swat at it. It's like instinctive. It's painful. A wasp or something once... It got me on like the shoulder blade. I was in a swimming pool, man. It hurt. It was like, ow. It was like, it's like somebody took like a needle and went in my shoulder. It hurt. I did not appreciate it. We need a butt sword emote. I don't know if I'm going to give you a butt sword emote. I feel bad for anybody tuning in, hoping for information about the new world update. Um, I really, really do. I really do. They're like, what is, what is actually happening in this, uh, in this talk show? Probably a horsefly. No, it wasn't a horsefly because I saw it fly away. Horseflies hurt way worse than that. Horseflies leave like a big old bump if you get bit real good by them. I stepped on a yellow jacket nest as a kid. That was not a fun experience. Oh golly, no. Um, a friend of mine, we were sitting on like this grassy like hill in this in this person's backyard, and we were sitting there, and he was like, Why is the ground vibrating? And he took his hand away and Bumblebee started shooting up out of the ground, and we were like, Dah! like he rolled down the hill. It was like just like a little incline. It wasn't like a really long hill. And we ran. <laughs> we're like, oh my gosh. Nobody got stung. They were probably just like, what in the world's going on out there at the at the front of the nest? Like, get out there, you know? <laughs> Lono indignant, like, it hurt a lot. Yeah, that's the point. <laughs> I stepped on a ground hornet nest as a kid, stung 21 times. Oof. I stepped on, like, a black... It was. It must have been a, a, a wasp. Uh, it, was a, it was on the edge of a pool. Stepped on it. And boy, my whole foot cramped up. That was worse than the sting. Was my poor foot just like went like cramped up from the pain. That was terrible. Mm. I came for New World Info and I get bee disembowelment. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Some YouTube commenter. Sure, sure, sure. Well, the first hour we at least stayed on topic. So the average person watching the VOD will be like, this is a good resource for new world information. That's why I don't let us jump off the train tracks during the first hour. Because I'm thinking, you know, if somebody comes back later to watch the past broadcast, they're going to be like, this guy said he was going to talk about new world. And and 30 minutes in, they were, you know, they were talking about, you know, Bart Simpson beating up Darth Vader, you know. Yellow jackets are, yeah, yellow jackets are not nice. They're not. You were swollen up like Aloy? Yeah, yeah. My foot swole. Yeah, it swelled up. Yep, mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Yep. 
stupid. Um, let me set up the redirect now that I'm thinking about it. Make sure that it actually works. Here we go. Mm-mm. Lona was a diamond streamer. He's multifaceted. That's right. I haven't been stung in over 15 years, but was very allergic the last time that it happened. I should probably get that checked to see if it's still the case. Uh, anyone know any nearby hives? Nearby hives to where? We don't. I don't know where you are. Great resource until Lono said I suck at games. <laughs> it's true, though. It's true. I think one of the greatest problems with gaming today is that tons of people are they're bad at the games that they play and they don't know that they're bad at the games that they play so they view everything through the lens of I'm losing to the pros I guess like they think because the odds are in your favor you're not going to run into pro players that often there aren't that many of them you know I think what ends up happening is is that Anytime you run into an, an, an average to an above average player, you disproportionately judge their skill as if, oh my gosh, I'm getting clapped by pros. No, you're not. You're just a garbage can and you're getting smacked around by a, a mediocre player who's been playing the game for five years. I think that's one of the, the biggest challenges to established franchises is you have a lot of people who have been playing the game for years and they are automatically a giant barrier to anybody who wants to come and play the game. Why? Well, because they're, they know the maps, they know the weapons, they know the strats. And if they play at like a mediocre level, they're going to slap around a new or bad player. And that new or bad player will think, man, I need skill-based matchmaking to protect me. You know what I mean? Why do you think skill-based matchmaking is so popular? Most players are garbage. I don't know if we want to say most. I just think it's a lot. I think most players are average, and the minute they play anybody who's above average, they they think you know they're playing a pro. Because if you're above average, you're 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 pretty good. You're not pro status, but you're pretty good. But you usually don't say the quiet things aloud. <laughs> uh. All right, Arctics TV says, here it is, folks. This is my uh, 12 a.m. animation I made simply for the community. Three days of work, and I wouldn't change a thing. There's a lot of uh, love in here for Dr. Strix, Dr. Disrespect's community and what he's doing with the Midnight Society Discord. I hope you enjoy. 13,000 views. He's just got like a... Looks like he's... What are those? Oh, Umbrellas. Is this just so? This is something he just made up on his own. That's really good. Hey, man. Throw your hat in the ring, baby. Throw your hat in the ring. Doc might scoop you up. Oh, Doc says impressive and gives him a firm handshake. There you go. Good for him. I play games for entertainment and to escape this crazy world we're in. Some games I am better than others, just have to know how to play them. Playing ranked games online for years forced me to face just that. What, that you weren't good? I'm, I'm not being mean. I'm asking the question. Is that what you're saying about yourself? That you were not a good player? I mean, I remember I went from mouse and keyboard as a PC player to playing World at War. And I remember getting really humbled by people. And I was like, I remember telling my friend, I was like, bro, I'm not good. Like, I'm bad. I got I to work here. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting my face punched in. 
you know it took me a good long time before I considered myself not good but better than I was I wasn't I would I would never have considered myself to be like oh man I'm a good player it was like no I'm I, I, I can do what needs to be done and I you know I'm better than uh, than where I was previously Get good is just a Dark Souls meme. It's not really a toxic uh, expression. It's just uh, solid advice. (laughs) Right. Just get good. So get good isn't all that toxic. Not really. No, it's not. Being average, yeah. Right. Oh, Kareem saying being average. Yeah, okay, so you realize you you were average or weren't that good. Got it, got it, got it. 1v1 games like fighting or RTS builds character. I remember playing Quake 3 Rocket Arena and then, you know, guys would talk smack and want to go play 1v1. And the reason I thought 1v1 in that environment was a terrible display of skill is because they would memorize the 1v1 map size and they would know where to shoot the rockets, when to get out the lightning gun, and when to use the rail gun. It wasn't the greatest test of who had better skill. It was better to go into... Because this is what would happen. You would play a couple games of Rocket Arena and you'd be doing well and making the right decisions and you'd have really good stats. And the player that like was sort of like ego broken about it because they were either on the bad team or their ego drove them to make really dumb decisions or their skills didn't translate into the game of Rocket Arena. Their skills in 1v1 translated into a small contained 1v1 map where they know everything about that map, all the idiosyncrasies and all of the little nooks and crannies and all the strats. And they would get very angry going into the larger arenas and being like, well, this is ridiculous, right? Like, I, I should be doing much better. And they'd start running their mouth. And then people would say things to them and they'd be like, well, let's 1v1, let's 1v1 jump. And without fail, they would win the 1v1 because that's all that they were really good at. They were good at going into the stripped down environment, not having to manage multiple targets, not having to manage multiple sound, like, okay, I got a guy coming from my right and a guy pushing up center left, what do I do? Like, on-the-fly decision-making, they're just good at managing one target in a small space, and they have really, really good target acquisition, so they think that they're an amazing player. And it's like, does your skill in 1v1 really matter if you're going into the main game mode and sucking wind because you can't make on the fly, you know, choices and manage multiple targets. You can't think almost in like a stream of consciousness sort of way of you need to be able to respond to people and things as they come your way instead of managing like one target. So sure, you'll get some lone player in a hallway and you'll lightning gun them into tomorrow, but the minute you got to take on multiple targets, you fall to pieces. Well, how good are you, right? I always found the 1v1 test to be inadequate in determining whether one player is better than another player because what are you actually determining? Are you determining who's good at this particular map, game mode, or fighting style? Or are you determining who can who can hold their own in the arena as opposed to holding your own against one person? Because like that one person is then on a spawn cycle, and then you know where the spawn cycles are, and you know where to go to have advantage over that spawn cycle. If they're going to end up on the left or the right or the middle or the low, and then you don't have to worry about really fighting them. You know where they are. They can't take you by surprise. I don't know. I, I remember playing Quake 3 Arena, Rocket Arena, and being like, 1v1's not proving anything. Yeah, you're good at 1v1. That's what it proves. It doesn't prove that you'd be good on a team in a scrimmage if you were trying to climb the ladders with your clan. 
you might be stupid and selfish and bad at decision making and you sabotage your team or you throw or you you pick a poor a, a bad position and you die early and you're the team's you know strongest railgun or strongest lightning gun or whatever and you you're out early because you're a dum-dum and you don't know how to you know prioritize the team or the round or the win you, you know playing your life doesn't make any sense to you because you're accustomed to existing in some small 10-foot room where you you know you're god in that room but outside of that room you're nobody i don't know i remember those days i remember being like oh that, that's fine you you can take me into the 1v1 arena and just smack me around that doesn't prove anything i it it proves that you're better at 1v1 than me you know if i'm consistently putting up better stats in the in the in the arena on team based games you can't always blame your team for that like if four or five games in a row I'm getting dub, double and triple KD and you're you're doing terrible, then you haven't proven anything. You've proven that your skill sets are very rigid and not elastic. They don't translate into the arena. Winning a 1v1 doesn't mean you're good at the game. The game doesn't have a 1v1 mode, so either be at the top of the public match scoreboard or remain trash. There's certainly something to be said for games that do lobby balancing, and if you're really good, they throw you on a team of potatoes and it sabotages your ability to perform. But generally speaking, you know, if, if we play four or five games and people are coming in and out and, and teams are being shuffled, then you should be able to show some performance at some, at some level, right? I don't play Battle Royale games and others like them because I suck at them and I don't enjoy them. Battle Royale games are hard to be good at because you have to you have to manage 18 different strategies at once. They talked about doing a no building mode in Fortnite and I got to tell you I was interested. I was like it'd be really interesting to see how those maps would play because when you play a more traditional BR you have to use angles and and elevation and hills and valleys to close off angles so that you can't be shot when you're out in the open and you know the cone of accuracy I, you know, it might, it might really, really change the, uh, the open field, uh, open, open world combat in Fortnite, because, you know, if you're not able to build a mini mall, the minute somebody shoots a bullet at you, you know, you turn around and, and and all of a sudden you're, you're in 18 different boxes and you're editing and building and reinforcing. And they're like, well, I have no idea where he went. So I guess I'll move on. And then, you know, or you try and fight him and they just turtle. I don't, you know, I think, I think in general, that game, that game could, could look very different if they started to do that sort of thing. Um, so thank you to everybody who supported the, uh, the Pokemane video over the weekend. It is, it is doing very, very well. We have another one today that's going to shed a lot of light on, um, how big streamers aren't that great for that platform. Um, and so it, it, I think it sheds some light on to just how much streamers like herself and XQC have a bit of a stranglehold, uh, they have a bit of a stranglehold on the, on the purple platform. So we will be discussing that today. People want a greater sub split over there and they're not going to get it. And I'm going to explain that why that's this afternoon over on SNTR presents. So make sure you don't miss those 3 PM premieres. Um, we will be shifting gears here shortly to a Lost Ark stream. Very excited about the information in that new trailer, and I want to break that down with you guys. We'll pull the audience, and we'll see which uh, which class you're going to gravitate toward and why as we anticipate that game's launch next month. Uh, we're now less than 30 days away from being able to play it. Unless, of course, the prediction reigns true that it's going to launch earlier for the uh, the 
the founders as uh, D Crew Seeds predicted a little while ago. Um, is them having a stranglehold good for smaller streamers? No. No. That platform, I'm telling you right now, nobody believe me. Nobody believe me when I said that platform was in trouble and it wasn't as profitable as everybody thought and an ex-employee gave incredible insight into just how bad that platform's ecosystem is. It is just, you're going to want to watch this afternoon's video. I wish we would have had a better way of titling it and naming it, but there's nothing to really say other than like, streamers want more money. Like, that's the most attention grabbing we can get. But I'm telling you, that platform's in trouble. It is. It is. It is. <laughs> the, the biggest streamers d- <clears throat> don't need the platform, and the platform needs them, but oh my gosh, the, 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 the profitability of the big streamers, it, I find it deliciously ironic because I was one of the most profitable spectrums of streamer for the platform when your sub count grossly outweighs your views, and... Um, <laughs> And they and they got and they it definitely suspended me, <laughs> but they'll give Pokey a forty-eight. <laughs> I want anybody and everybody that has a prime sub, make sure and use it on her when she comes back to do her victory lap when she gets when she gets unbanned. Use your prime subs on her. <laughs> if if you're not a huge fan of purple, that's one of the best things you can do is use your prime subs on the biggest streamers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 it was nice to get a Saturday bonus vid. It was too hot to save. I was like, we got to hit this one today instead of Monday. Um, you saw reports that it was a permaban? No. No, that those reports were false. They thought that all the strikes hit at once and she'd be permed. They're not going to perm her. Th- there was a girl who got banned six times. Six and on her sixth ban, they took her, her partnership away. Amaranth has been banned like four or five times. XQC has been banned four or five times. You're supposed to be permit after three, and none of them get none of them get permit after three, right? The irony is delicious. They let people break TOS consistently, and then they they let them back on the platform. And the people that they allow to break TOS consistently and come back on the platform aren't good for the platform. They're not that profitable. And somebody who was profitable that didn't break a single line of your TOS gets permed based off of off-site vague claims. I love it. The, the irony is so delicious. I'm just drinking the whole situation in. I love it. I hope I hope every rights owner that, that, that has had their content streamed over there, I hope they just continue to just eviscerate the platform. And the funny thing is, is that these people are like, well, they're so wealthy. They're so wealthy. <laughs> you think you're wealthy if like Fox or Disney comes for you? Do you think you have enough money to, to go against them? <laughs> If they actually take you to court, you think you stand a chance? These people are playing with fire. And I'm not talking about, like, losing your channel fire. I'm talking about financial ruin. Like, I don't care how wealthy you are. They will take you to the cleaners. And it won't be hard. It won't be hard at all. You broke the rules. (laughs) And have tweeted public acknowledgement that it's wrong. It would be such a slam dunk. Talk about a dunker of a court case. 
Your Honor, here's various tweets where the individual uh, known as, uh, what is this, XQC, has indicated that they had full knowledge they were breaking and infringing on our copyright. Literally used the word infringing. This is public admission that they willfully know they were they were they were breaking copyright law right like <laughs> just an absolute slam dunk of a case publicly seen by the community and the public doing it admits publicly you know it's infringing and wrong like could you make it easier for lawyers to just tear you limb from limb the, the whole thing is hilarious to me it's hilarious I like watching somebody walk all over that platform because it's the bed they've made. It is. It's like Jordan Peterson said. He's like, a system collapses on itself when unchecked corruption goes on and nobody stands up and says anything. And that's what's happened over there. A favor here, backroom deal here, favoritism there, unequal enforcement of TS over here. Like, uh, injustice and corruption will fold in on itself every time and we're and we're seeing it right now you're seeing it right now big giant four million follower channels just getting to walk all over tos and be like i'll be back in 48 hours (laughs) like good for her seriously do it they deserve it walk all over the platform do it and get everybody to give you their prime subs when you're when you're a bigger streamer. That's 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 the worst thing for the platform is when big streamers get tons of prime subs. Just shower her with prime subs when she comes back. Them not banning or perma banning people makes them party to the crime. This is we need a weekly AMA over there. We're gonna try and figure out how to do it because we need the ability to discuss this stuff because that's actually really interesting, Bowers. Because there's a whole element to that, right? Claiming we they, this is one thing they claim in some of their TOS or somewhere where they're like, it's not up to us to decide what's copyrighted material. The copyright owners have to come to us and say, hey, uh, uh-uh, uh, take that down, okay? But there's an element of stupidity there. Your TOS says you can't stream copyrighted material, okay? And the question is very simple. If someone is streaming this show, Purple, do you hold the rights to the show? No. Does this person have a right to stream it? No. Then they're streaming copyrighted material. No one's in the dark. Like, if you boot up tomorrow on Purple and start streaming Queen's Gambit on Netflix, Purple's not like... Is it copyrighted or not? Of course, you know it is. You don't own the distribution rights, Purple. The streamer doesn't own the distribution rights. So it doesn't take Sherlock Holmes to figure it out. Gee, hmm, I wonder if someone's breaking copyright law on your platform. You can't claim ignorance. Now, if it's some offshoot cartoon that you've never heard of, yes, you could claim we were not aware that was copyrighted material. We didn't take action until we received the DMCA claim. But when you see some, when you see someone streaming something that is owned by another platform, how are you not just immediately banning that person? Like, I don't know. YouTube went through this rodeo a couple of years ago, and they have automated systems in place to put a stop to this. And Purple's over there just being like, what? <laughs> uh. We, we won't do anything until we receive a claim. Okay, here they come. Because Rift Tracks just got banned. 
they likely got DMCA'd. Rift Tracks is basically Mystery Science Theater as it's evolved, and they watch movies and make fun of them. They likely got a DMCA because they dance on the line of like what they're allowed to or what they're not allowed to do. Rift Tracks for a time would let you download an audio file that you could play while watching the movie. Like you would sync up the audio file in the movie completely legitimate you're buying and downloading an audio file from them and that, that it contains nothing intellectually that they don't know it's like the spongebob meme with patrick do you know this content no uh should it be copyrighted uh that's not up to us to determine yeah those 24 7 simpson streams might be a problem yeah it's better for them to feign ignorance because once they own it they create a precedent I don't think they can get... See, this is this is what I find just so deliciously ironic about this. That platform has run itself with all these stupid little loopholes and, like, slimy dealings, and it's going to come crashing down on them. You cannot run your platform that way. The rights holders will come for you. They're not going to sit idly by and be like, Oh, you're right. <laughs> Silly us. <laughs> for for us to think that you should police your platform and inform your TOS. It's, it's, it's on us. Really. Really, it's on us. We should be scouring your platform and looking for copyrighted material. It's on us. It's our responsibility to police your platform for you. You're right. No. They will take them to court. There's There's no way. There's no way this doesn't end up in some sort of lawsuit. Where some rights owners can be like, no, you are liable. You had knowledge of it and you did nothing. And they'll take him to court. There's no way that doesn't happen. I have, I have a severe doubt that they get out of this unscathed by being like, well, <laughs> it's not our responsibility to police and determine what's copyright material and what's not. <laughs> okay, then where's the impetus lie? Apparently, Purple's not responsible for anything, I guess. Like, what? I find it hilarious. I find it hilarious. And I and I like that it is, it is undoubtedly going to damage the platform further. I celebrate that, because they deserve it. With how they've run their platform, they deserve it. Any monetary loss they suffer, any streamers that they lose, any viewership trends they lose, it's all deserved because they've run the platform like this for years. It's justice woven into the fabric of the of our of our universe that when you run your website and TOS in a corrupt and unjust way, and you do backroom deals and favors and nepotism and favoritism all from the bottom to the top, you get what's coming to you. You do. And I, I think that's one of the reasons why DJ Wheat's getting a frick out. I think it's why a lot of people have gotten out. I think it's why ex-employees have no problem talking about the, the lack of profitability for the website. It's why they got the frick out. Because they don't know what they're doing. If YouTube didn't have an automatic system until it was a problem, why would they have a system uh, if it wasn't a huge problem until now? Well, sure, sure. I get the logic there, Robert. But when they're when it's discovered and they do nothing, like think about it, Robert. You don't have to have an elaborate system to scare people to stop doing it. If they had a slapped XQC day one and, and disguised toast and Pokemane day one and started slapping other other people, absolutely not. It would have it would have at least slowed it down. Because people have been like, well, I'm not going to do that. They're they're smacking some of the biggest streamers. They did nothing for weeks. Nothing for weeks. And now the whole platform's doing it. 
DJ Wheat is totally scummy. He's doing a Twitter campaign now to try to get into streamer management. I don't think Marcus is scummy. I think Marcus errs on the side of the creator to a fault. He started kind of defending XQC and being like, has anybody asked about his management team? And I'm like, Marcus, with respect, we don't know. His management team could be screaming at him every day to stop because he could get sued. I don't think his management team's laughing about this. I don't think they're being laissez-faire or passive. I think they probably have told him to stop. You honestly think with his attitude and demeanor, he would listen to them anyway? Like, I like Marcus, but I think he errs on the side of the content creator too much. This is XQC's fault. If something bad happens to him, if he gets sued, if he loses his channel, if he suffers financial ruin because of this, because a bunch of rights holders take him to the cleaners, he, he did it himself. You can't blame his management team. They can't control him. He's not wearing a shot collar where they can be like, stop it, and like, you know, stop him from doing it. He He's his own person. He's his own person. So I understood where, where Marcus was coming from, but I'm like, I, I appreciate you favoring the creator, but you're doing it to a fault. You're just doing it to a fault. Yeah, Loco called it out. In an ironic twist, one of Pokimane's VPs at her management company retweets and has been criticizing streamers for deliberately breaking DMCA while Pokimane herself was suspended for doing the same thing. They have since deleted the tweets and locked their account. Oof. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Okay, we got we got six minutes. We got sh- we got to shift gears. I'm gonna use the restroom real quick, and we're gonna switch to Lost Ark. All right, we're, we're gonna try and give you guys a weekly t- a weekly live stream over there on the other channel because there's so much about this. It's so interesting. Even today's stream, even today's premiere, is super interesting into the Twitch ecosystem, and we just don't have a place to talk about it. And I don't want it to cannibalize over here. We've been we've been dipping our toes into it in like the last 15, 20 minutes of our streams, and that just means we got to give you guys a show over there, which is fine. Which is fine. I want to do it we'll work the details of that out right an ama probably once a week on like a thursday or something so i'll be right back don't go anywhere smash like subscribe order some coffee nobody's ordered coffee yet and stick around for the lost ark stream we'll be shifting gears in a moment
Okay. Let me get this tweet ready. Mm. I'll give you guys the link of where we're going just in case it doesn't bring you with us. Okay. Everyone. Oops. Okay. Oh, I need the new trailer. Shoot. Uh, where is their stinking channel? Dang it. Wait, I think I see it. that at the top okay hey thanks for clicking on the video this is going to be another episode of SNTR gaming news breaking down a lost ark update there's lost ark gameplay news and a nice trailer that they put out i want to do a breakdown for you there's a lot in that trailer i'm gonna have it running next to me right here at the beginning of the stream if you like these types of gaming news coverage topics mmos like lost ark and others be sure to hit subscribe and the bell button that way you don't miss these streams i will do 